Good evening, everyone. I'm your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. If you're new to the channel, please hit like, subscribe. Don't forget to hit that notification bell so you're alerted whenever we go live. So when we do crazy things like this, you guys are well aware. Also, before we start, I want to remind people that tickets are going on sale Monday. For the book launch event for my upcoming book, I Was a Teenage Anarchist, about how the culture of deconstruction and authenticity work in conjunction with each other to neutralize any sort of movement. The live event is going to be what I call the coolest backyard punk show, but not a punk show. Uh, there's going to be people from some legendary hardcore punk and metal bands. There's going to be a Q&A, a lot of mingling, There'll definitely be alcohol. Uh, it's going to be at a secret location, which you won't know until you get tickets. And I've been talking with the booking agent. I guess I should say our booking agent. I want to say my booking agent because I've known TJ. Jesus, I've known TJ for a long time. But anyway, we we're talking about redoing this in New York as well. So I'm pretty stoked for that. And also... I have to send a fat, fat shout out and happy birthday to my 17-year-old son, Julian Riley. <laughs> Julian Riley, you are 17 and my goodness, um, I can't believe it. I, I don't have too many pictures and definitely don't share too much with my boys as they're pretty far away from this world. And I think they like to keep it that way. But uh, I did share a picture on Instagram of my son. I think it was at his brother's birthday party. They're three years and three days apart. And he was a little, a little, little bitty guy. And now he's taller than me. He's like six feet. This person that I'm going to bring in would probably disagree and say he's only 5'10", but she wants me to walk to New York to shake the shit out of her. <laughs> Please welcome the faceless voice of reason in Tucson. Hello. I totally believe your son is taller than you because you're not even 5'10". I, you really want this trip to New York. <laughs> With me just singing it, making my way downtown, shaking the shit out of your tea. <laughs> if I could grab her by the arms. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Um, I want to let everyone know that I was totally prepared to do this show by myself. And I shared a little bit of the monologue, the opening script with Toussaint. And it feels like it was a bat signal for her. <laughs> she was like, I can't let him die alone. <laughs> and so and so she was like I, I'll be 
be here. And I saw her pull a, there's a virtual green room and I see her show up in the virtual green room like Eddie Kane from the Five Heartbeats as the intro music is coming on. And I'm like, what's this? <laughs> and the heart is a house of love. And I've learned. And I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> build it up, build it up, build it up. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the five heartbeats way too many times. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I love the five heartbeats. It's a great movie. Robert Townsend is a very slept on director because I think people remember him from like The Parenthood oh. and Meteor Man. And they don't think about other things he's did. Done. Done did. Done did. Done did. Uh, Eddie Murphy Raw. Look at that. Look at that. What do you know? Joe says, do one to the tune of Empire State of Mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of his favorites, actually. <laughs> Wearing your city t-shirt with the wrong city on it. This is a whoa. Oh, yep. We coming for you. No. Even Williamsburg Bridge. This is the Williams. You lost whatever was left of your mind. Look, just because you got your hair done the other day doesn't <laughs> mean. There's this black woman. I sent you this video. I don't think you watched it. And she she's got a a, a chalkboard and she goes, okay, see, you went here. And then you made a left here. And then you made another left here. And see right here? And she circles it. That's where you got me fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) She drew a street with the lines on the street. (laughs) She drew a tree. (laughs) She said right here is where you got me fucked up. And that's what you just did right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is where. I laughed so hard. Strom says, please don't have the show in Williamsburg in winter. Look, Strom, I'm New York and winter with me. Snow means I don't go. Jeez. Snow means a hell no. Snow is beautiful. Mm. On postcards and in TV commercials. And mm. Hallmark movies. That is what snow is for. Snow is not for living in, shoveling, playing in. It's for me to look at from afar and go, oh. It melts pretty fast in, in the city. Maybe your city. The in my city. city, we don't even know what that shit is. But uh, the, the someone asked what state. So we're going to do the launch party, of course, in California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. That is where I'm from. I love to do stuff where I'm from. Sadly, all the TIR kind of give them a revolution. Live shows have never we haven't done one in the Bay. We talked about it. We also talked about doing one in Austin and the schedules just didn't work out. So that's fine. It left us left me some time to you know get this book done and now i can do these book things so i'm stoked for that and i'm going to do the movie screenings for uh for kayfabe so hell yeah hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. aren't you excited for that 
It is. Yeah, I am excited. Are you going to come with me to those and hide as well? <laughs> you can look forward to me hiding. <laughs> Only like two people recognized you at the New York thing, right? I think it's weird because honestly, it's like there's only so many black women at some of these shows. Maybe they don't they don't think of color. Mm-hmm. They think of me. Mm-hmm. But hey, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got you. Well, the title of this show is a bit misleading. Uh, I don't want to answer any questions. Ooh. I want to hear what you guys have to say. You guys don't want to call in and find out what my favorite color is. Um, I do want to hear what you have to say about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Recently in the news, a war has broken out in the Middle East that has managed to capture the attention of a nation. Even my very non-political social media feed was filled with people with some god-awful takes on Israel-Palestine conflict. I'm sure you've seen some horrible stuff, right, too, Tim? Tim, Tim oh, I can't even say your name. <laughs> Tim, 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 Salabim, you seen some crazy stuff? <laughs> sure have. Over it's you. literally pissed off some people on this show that they're like, I'm not going on here for dead days. Mm. So many fights I'm seeing, so many people standing in solidarity with the nation state they have never been to and will never ne- go to. And maybe at best they'll send some money to a charity. I was talking to Gene Baj on the way back from that 14-hour drive. And he was like, Jason, you're right. It's all kayfabe. What does that mean? We start to see the world like we see these contests of morality played out in front of us as zero-sum games, politics as entertainment. We take it more seriously because this is real life. It's not scripted. But the way the news is presented, it might as well be. The binary nature of the reporting enables the viewing public to see global conflict as nothing more than team sports. And much like with team sports, the side you root for is always morally justified in whatever actions. The complexities of the causes of war get lost in oversimplified explanations ready-made for news programs and TikTok Instagram story explainer videos to present these conflicts as quickly and as simply as possible. News programs resemble ESPN more than it does a bipartisan discussion of conflict that includes contextual history and philosophic discussions on the effects of violence and the barbarous brutality that only the people in the conflict will suffer. This is G.I. Joe versus Cobra. That's all you need to know. You decide who is the hero and who is the villain. And if you don't have any real knowledge of the situation, then simply tell me who the bad guy is. Let me mourn for the victim. And use that false sense of understanding and empathy to hoard virtue. With that, I open phones, unscreen calls. Originally, I said no producer, but she showed up because she's a real G. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what happens when you have real Gs on your team. Oh. Bad lefty says, I stand with Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> I stand with Northern Lights. We have one call. I will say this. Usually people get a little nervous. No one wants to be the first call. I don't know why. I guess we're not famous enough hmm. to, to have people be like, I want to be the first call. So usually after the first call, the people really start calling in, rolling through. So are you ready, Tucson? I'm ready. Okay. I don't know who the first call is. Oh, 
my goodness. I've never seen this phone number before. I know who it is. <laughs> you know who it is? I do. Do you want me to push him through? Push him through. Hey, Jason, what's going on? It's Bro Flamingo from Las Vegas, and what's up, man? How you doing, Bro Flamingo? So far, hey. so good on our agreement. Hey, hey, hey. Um, I want to talk about two things, Jason, real quick. Um, the first thing, um, there's going to be a strike by the culinary union. The local 226 wants to start picket lines tomorrow in front of, I think, three or four properties. And it's big. I just wanted to put it out there because, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the casinos are playing hardball, mm-hmm. playing real hardball, you know. Um, a lot of uh, – it, it's crazy because, you know, um, we have Formula One coming here to Vegas in November mm-hmm. and the stakes are high, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's real important, you know, everybody out there knows what's going on. You see what's going on with the UAW, you know, they're about to shut down the Kentucky Ford plant. And I think it's very important that, you know, that the local 226 here in Vegas, you know, for, you know, bartenders, housekeepers, um, bellmen, everything, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we're fighting for a contract. Right now. We've been without a contract for, I think, maybe two or three months now because, you know, the they're just playing a, they're playing like a, uh, let me, let me put it to you this way. They're, they're testing the waters. They're, they're playing around. Mm-hmm. But also I do think like, I think the companies think we're not serious, you know? So, so we really have to show out and go strong and, and that's going to happen tomorrow. You know, it's the first, first in the morning and then, um, the second wave and then the second wave is going to continue at like five. There's going to be picket lines and everything. And, uh, and I, and I think that's very important news. And I think, you know, especially since you're next door in California, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of the California, you know, but yeah, you know, because I, I saw the union, I saw, I saw the union workers in the hotels doing wildcat strikes down there too. That was very inspiring. Mm-hmm. And and the second thing, Jason, I wanted to talk about, um, because you mentioned something, you mentioned something, and look, this is anecdotal. I don't have any. I don't really talk about my personal experience on this front. You talked about how people talk about you know support a nation state that they've never been to. Or, you know, it's like ESPN, politics is sports. Mm-hmm. And and I agree with you on some level, Jason, you know, and I, I really do agree with you on some level because, like, for example, you know, I'm in the local 226, right? I lost I lost my job due to political reasons because I was active in the union and they suspended me from my previous my previous company. I got I got to be hired in another company, but union again. But also, I, but what I realized is that a lot of people, and, and listen, I don't think, like, you're less serious about politics. If you're, not, if you're not out there, you know, organizing or, you know, out there doing the work, because I'm also part of my local DSA as well, you know. I know a lot of people feel strongly about that, but whatever. But what I realized, Jason, is that a lot of people do not have skin in the game. But they're, but they're the most fervent commenters on, like, Twitter or Reddit or Discord. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying with that? I'm listening. Yes. Yes. And, yeah, cause I, I feel like I was talking for a long time. I'm sorry. But... Mm-mm. So, you know, and, and to me, it's very strange because, like, you know, a lot of things that bubble up on Twitter, like a bubble up on Twitter, you know, people are going so hard, you know, just, you know, just like just threads or whatever. Mm-hmm. People want to go and organize, whatever. Nobody's talking about this shit. Mm-hmm. Pardon my language, sir. Yeah. You know, nobody's talking about this shit and whatsoever. You know, it, it, and then like you said, I, I get the feeling it's almost like it's almost like sports. We're talking about football, you know, you know, we're playing political football back and forth. 
And it's just like, there's like no skin in the game whatsoever for a lot of these people talking. It's just very strange. Am I making sense with that? And the second, the last thing I'll say, you know, if you want to, if you want to uh, respond, I'll never forget this. I remember one time my local DSA chapter, we went out, we went uh, to downtown Las Vegas. <clears throat> we went to downtown Las Vegas and, um, you know, we were doing a march for Palestine, you know, Palestinian liberation. Mm-hmm. And I saw a bunch of cops out there. And like, and like Jason, in my newbie self, right, in my newbie self, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look, you know, the cops are here, you know, to, to, uh, to stop the leftists from marching, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was so wrong because they were there to protect us. Because when we were marching down, you know, for, for Palestinian rights and liberation, mm-hmm. there were people swarming us. Mm-hmm. I, I had never seen anything. Like, the people were just insane. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, look, the Nazis, they're coming after us. You guys, you, you, you guys are terrorists and blah, blah. Jason, it was one of the crazy experiences in my life. Just seeing like insane Zionists just, just turning on a dime when they saw us marching. That it was crazy. Like, and I'm not saying this as a flex, whatever. I'm sure I'm in a bow in Mossad somewhere. You get what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we, 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 we know who you are. Uh, swear to God, like, yeah. we, we know who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. You understand what I'm saying? So it is crazy, Jason. But, that, but that's when I knew mm-hmm. this was bigger than me. Yeah. It was one of those inflection points in my life, Jason. You know, we have a couple of those in our life, mm-hmm. but that's when I realized this is bigger than me. You know, this, this isn't me on Twitter talking shit. You know what I'm saying? This is real shit. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this is one of the most, this is one of the most uh, transformative experiences in my life. You know, so I'm just calling in, you know, to set the party off. But, but that's when, like when, when people, when people like are being going crazy on Twitter, or it's like, do you really have any skin in the game? Exactly. And look, some and some people do, and some people have, and listen, like, just because, like, you know, maybe you have a regular guy, you're a regular guy or a gal out there, and you got a nine to five, I'm not saying, like, you're any, you're any political lesser, because you're not out there, but understand, there's just real stakes to this stuff. Yes. You're saying, it's not, you're saying, go out there, do something, you know what I'm saying, see what's, Jason, half the battle is showing up, I swear to God, half of it is showing up, literally. Yeah. Literally. I got embraced, I got embraced by the just for showing up. And paying my dues regularly and help help planning, help organizing, same for the unions, you know. When I go to my union, you know, I, I volunteer my time all the time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it, it gives me purpose and meaning in life. It really does, Jason. It, it, it's, 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 it's just one of the, you know, most beautiful things I've ever done in my, I swear. I'm not, but, you know, I'm a political junkie, so everybody has their own. But yeah, it, gives me, it gives me purpose and meaning in life. Also, because I just realized, you know, like at, at the end of the day, I'm just one guy, right? So we, we put, you know. I'm only as strong as, as my comrade next to me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying at the end of the day? Yeah. It's, it's just the way it works. It's the way politics work, literally. That is you know, the you, definition. You yeah. might talk short for you, you might feel good. But, you know, what what it really comes down to is, you know, are you out there doing something about everything? And that's all over there. Say, just... Hey, bro, Flamingo, I appreciate you. Thank you. For, thank you. Have a good night. Thank you for setting the show off. Uh, Thank you for setting the show off right. That's that was a damn good call. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a way to start the show off. Mm. You to know, give us the scoop. Give us the scoop. First of all, the scoop on what's going on in Vegas. You know, that's a powerful union out there. So it's going to be very interesting if they shut stuff down out there. Um, we are seeing a massive labor movement, and that's a beautiful thing. It really is. There's some. You know, I was with a friend. I won't say who who's been an organizer and activist for the majority of, of his adult life. And he is just disheartened and like stepping away. We talked about this off air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
it's it's stories like that that I was trying to tell him like you know I get why you're leaving where you're leaving because I probably would too right um but you know there there is something in the water right now especially in labor can can the left capture it or you know will it just dissolve into Democratic Party politics I don't know Vegas is also an interesting place because they had taken over the Democratic Party establishment with their DSA chapter. So, mm. I so remember they cool. were very important in getting Bernie the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to follow these events, you know, and support your striking workers. Bring them some food. Pizza. Some bottle. It's hot as hell in Vegas still right now. Some bottles of water. Mm-hmm. Anything. Holler at them. Take take some minutes to holler at them while they're out there. Talk to them. Means a lot. Means a hell of a lot, especially if you're in the Vegas area. It's good to know we got Vegas people. I love. Have you been to Vegas before? No. <sighs> I almost got suckered into a timeshare over there. <laughs> Many moons ago when I actually had money, um, my now ex-wife and I got locked in a room while they were trying to sell us a timeshare. <laughs> if I hear the word timeshare, I get <laughs> I know. Galactic shock. Everyone, share this show with your people. These phones should be ringing off the hook. I want to hear what you guys have to say. This is your show today. I'm not going to sit here and interrupt you. Say what you want to say. And to all, I, I do want to say this to like all the Twitter stuff. Let that shit go. Yes. I saw, before I got on air, I saw the greatest back and forth between two people that I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. It was Ben, what's the black guy's name? He was on this show before. Ben Dixon. Mm. Ben Dixon and Destiny. Wow. I guess we're beefing. And Ben Dixon called Destiny some name, and Destiny said something about, uh, I'll come to your house and show you what real cuck shit is, like banging his wife or something. What? And I was like, that is some bold shit to say, and you ain't never finna do it. <laughs> like, is he really finna do it? Because well, uh, if I was Ben Dixon, I'd buy him a plane ticket. I thought Destiny was racist. I would give a fuck. Now he's cucking some black dudes wife. I would love. Oh man, Jesus, if you're real. <laughs> Jesus that's what real. that's the pay-per-view event I want to see. I want to see him dare. Oh. That's bold. That is I very would strangle bold him with his own penis. <laughs> we have a super chat and more calls. Okay, what's the super chat say? You know you have to read it. That's your job. Can I put it on the screen? Okay. Yes. Um, Sean McCallum says, Dem- Dem- Democrat party labor pimps like Sean Fain are, to- are con men in the vein of Walter Ruther and jo- John L. Lewis. Sorry, not sorry. Damn. Did, did, Sean Fain, did Sean Fain do a destiny at your house? <laughs> 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 So you say don't let Sean Fain over for Thanksgiving is what you're trying to say. <laughs> <If> Sean... 
So what you're telling me is if Sean Fang come over trick or treating and just ha- you'd be like, I ain't got no candy. Yeah, you do. It's in the cupboard underneath the sink. You're like, how the hell? Sean Fain. <laughs> Damn it, Sean Fain. Damn it, Sean Fain. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody start a meme with Sean Fain just banging people's spouses? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Men or women. Sean Fain is just getting in. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Destiny was like, I'm going to bang your... What if you go to bang Ben Dixon's wife and it's just not what you thought it was going to be? You thought it was going to be Beyonce and one of uh, In Vogue and it's just not that. You get Escape. Oh, why do people talk about Escape like that? There's nothing wrong with Escape. What? What if that's what you get? He's just going, I don't care. Unbelievable. Every man needs a woman. Okay, I'm going to stop. We have, we have phone calls to tend to. We do. All right. Again, this is your guys' show today. All I'm here for is comic relief in the chat. You push them through? Yep. Uh, you want to tell them? Because I don't know the area codes. I'm not, I'm not on that screen. So you go oh. ask the question. Let them know. Calling from the 617 area code. Call her. What's your name? Where are you calling from? What you have for breakfast? Oh, hey. Uh, it's Juliana. Can you guys hear me? Hell yeah. Hey, hey. How's it going, man? I don't know if you remember me, but I was at the live show. Which one? The one in New York. We were at the bar for like fucking forever uh, talking about fucking Tupac and Biggie, I think. I do know you. I do know you. What's going on, brother? We were laughing all night. We were laughing all night. What's going on, dude? Until like 4 a.m. That's not much. It just, yeah. The same shit that's been going on for everybody else the past couple of days, watching the the fucking shit hit the fan in Gaza. It's really horrible. It had some. It's fucking awful. It's just, it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously, I I don't begrudge the Palestinian people for fighting for their liberation, but I'm not delusional enough to think it's going to turn out well. I mean, this again. This is your show. I'm not critiquing how you feel. So tell me. And the world, how you feel about this situation? Go for it. Um, I hope that they win, but I seriously doubt it. I think a lot of people are talking way too much shit about it because mm-hmm. they're not there and they have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. I also think people need to be very careful about the stupid shit that they're sharing because, like, obviously there's going to be a ton of propaganda about this, mm-hmm. and like every disgusting photo you see might not necessarily be real, and also probably isn't what the person showing it to you is representing it as. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And also I had a broader point because you brought up the whole, like, like you, you were getting into like how people don't have a stake in it and they're just talking shit on Twitter. I think a lot of this is everybody's wrapped up in their little parish social tribe based on what fucking podcast or Twitter streamer they watch. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence of that, you can have two people that basically agree on everything, but because they're talking about it in slightly different ways, Mm-hmm. They think that they disagree, and then they go to war with each other, and it's insane and stupid. 
And yeah, that's kind of where what I feel about that. I think people need to like calm the fuck down and actually talk to each other and realize that at the end of the day, we don't have a say in anything that's happening. So we really shouldn't get that angry about it because it doesn't fucking matter what we think or what we say. So yeah, that's basically it. Also, please do a live show somewhere in the Northeast again sometime. <laughs> I can't be going up to California. <laughs> I, again, we're talking about going to New York. Uh, I don't know if you met TJ. He was there. He was the blind gentleman. That's my booking agent and very good friend for the last, Jesus, almost 20 years. I think it's been about 20 years. And, uh, we were talking yesterday about doing a book thing in New York. So I will be in the East Coast sooner than later. All right, cool. I just gave like a couple of weeks notice and then I can get my friend to drive me down there. He right. lives halfway between where I live and down there. So yeah, I'll keep, me, keep us posted on that and I'll see if I can make it. Um, also, I would pay money to see Ben Dixon what fucking Destiny's ass. I would pay a lot of money to see that. <laughs> I, you know, I was very close. I was this close to sending Ben a message and being, being like, just like, stop trying to call him out on Twitter and just challenge him to a fight and then you won't do anything. Like, just challenge him to a fight. Like, you want to fight about it? That's how you stop most bullshit. If you go to a bar, hey, you, you going to fight about it? And nobody wants to fight about it. There's very few people that want to fight about silly shit. Oh, like I, the interactions I have online and the interactions I have in real life are very different. And I'm sure you can guess why yeah. I haven't seen me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're what, are you about six, four, six, five? No, I'm just six feet, but I'm also like, my shoulders are ridiculous. I look like a friggin' Jojo character. So yeah, <laughs> no one starts shit with me in real life. <laughs> there's there's just this thing right where people love like the ambiguity of the shit talk and you can talk all the big shit you want to talk and uh i'm always like look man you're not gonna do anything and then i have this wonderful woman right here who maybe you met in new york as well that tells me you need to stop you need to stop and then i go you right <laughs> and then I stop. Well, that's just how it is. I mean, a lot of these people that don't have, like, they're not used to real interactions with real people in real life. That's pretty friggin' obvious. Yes. And I can guarantee they've never been in a fight before. Most people haven't. And if you have been in a fight and you've been yeah, hit, most people haven't. you don't like to get, like, I don't want to get hit. I'm not trying to get hit. Who does? I'm I'm walking. You can call me so many names in real life, and I'm not really gonna give a shit. A, I'm not trying to get hit, and is it is it worth it? Names ain't worth it to me. Nah, nah. I learned that lesson a long fucking time ago. I mean, that's part of growing up. Lenny Power says you ain't gonna do shit. Has been true nine out of ten times. I I've said it in the champagne room. I, <laughs> yeah. I stopped people from yelling in San Francisco. There was this dude coming in, a bike guy. He almost hit the bike guy, and they were yelling at each other. And I just yelled out, you ain't finna do nothing. And <laughs> he looked at me kind of like shook, and the bike dude looked shook, like, oh, shit, this got real. Because now everybody's watching him. It's like when you yell that out and everybody's watching you, it's like, oh, I, you can't perform now. It's like... <laughs> So you know what it is. But hey, thank you very much for the call. We have to take all these calls. 
Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Hey, I appreciate you. Have a good night. Peace out. On to the next Tucson. Uh, um, to the next one. What do you, what do you, Tucson? You are like the best um, internet person because you never, you, first of all, I almost feel like no one knows who you are online. It's anymore. true. So, and you don't really talk shit. You have the funniest posts. <laughs> I try. <laughs> oh, side note, we're doing movie night Friday, and there is a. Uh, a poll that we're taking what you guys want to see i'm in such a democratic mood lately democratic mood <laughs> what the hell i'm in a democratic mood i'm in a democratic mood so you guys get to choose between um what are the movies is nightmare on elm street 3 by far the superior film and friday the 13th part 4 also the superior film no, it's not part four. It's part five. Four. four. Five. Four. It's the final chapter. Five is the final chapter. According to what you sent me. I sent you a lie. Do you know who's winning? You want to Who? know who's winning? Who's winning? Well, actually, just voting to see the results is winning. But uh, part four, part four or five, the final chapter is winning. That's a good one. <clears throat> I get that one confused with the one with the black dude that's singing in the toilet before he gets killed. And you're like, why are you singing? Like, who, who He's like taking his shit. He's like, oh, these burritos is fucking with me. And he goes to the bathroom and his girlfriend is like shaking the outhouse. And then he decides to just start singing. I'm like, who does that? Wow. Who? Who? In my own house. I live alone. Crap with the door open all the time. I never think to sing. It's the last thing on my mind. You sing in the kitchen. I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I sing throughout the house. I sing when I'm writing these scripts. But I do not sing in the doo-doo room. Especially with my girlfriend on the other side of the door backing me up. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. And she's on the other side. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. I'm like, who is this happy to take shit? Jesus. I've never been around a woman. I've been around a few in my life that are like, are you about to take a shit? Oh, I'd love to sit on the outside of the door and sing. Listen in. Sit outside the door and sing. Oh, my gosh. Like, that movie is worth that scene right there. Even watching it as a child, I was like, who does that? Who sings? Maybe if you're like an infant, like when my little kids were learning how to crap in the toilet, you want to sing little songs. Congratulations for the turd. (laughs) (laughs) For the turd? (laughs) All right. My son, my five-year-old, I, I had dinner with him and his mom when I went to the Bay Area. And uh, she goes, take him to go watch, get his hands washed or whatever. <clears throat> so we'd go into the bathroom. And I was like, I think you have to pee. He goes, 
I don't have to pee, Dad. Just to wash my hands. I was like, no, I think you have to pee. I was like, I don't have to pee. I was like, just humor me. And I sang a little song while he was peeing. <laughs> I told you you had to pee. And now you see. He was like, I gotta pee. And I was like, there we go. That's so different than being an adult. And <laughs> You can do that in your mind as an adult. You, just do <laughs> you don't do it aloud with your significant other on the other side of the door. You don't do that. Like, Thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. All right, Tucson, you want to push the next call through? Next call. You got to do the thing. Calling from a 308 area code. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it is Kowalski from the great state of Nebraska. Nebraska is a great state because you guys lose your shit on Saturdays in Lincoln. Exactly. It's a great party town. But, you know, I'm only like two and a half hours from Destiny. Would you like me to go get them? Yes. Oh, Destiny's in Nebraska? Hell yeah. Yeah. Go get him and say, hey. Yeah, he's in Omaha. Oh, he's in Omaha. Son of a bitch. Should we do a live thing in Omaha and just call him out the whole time? <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be down. I like Omaha. Oh, where did I play the last time I was in Omaha? I can't remember the name of the place. 2016 was the last time I was there. Kowalski, you still well, there? Well, I go. was mm-hmm. curious. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, rural areas, cell reception is not great. It's basically the 1800s. This is a rotary phone. Um, <laughs> so I was hoping, since I get to call in here, that I could talk at you for a while, which seems like the right thing for, you know, a uh, cis heterosexual Protestant white male. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Stage right. is yours. Now, as everyone is well aware, I am kind of known for agricultural stuff because, you know, doing the whole farmer thing and uh, the descendants of uh, settlers, that's what we like to say for whitewashing the word colonizer. Anywho, agriculture is a pretty old profession, if you can believe it. Now, most people would say it goes back 12,000 years, but recent archaeological finds have found that we probably discovered agriculture about 30,000 years ago. But we weren't able to do a whole lot with it until about 12,000 years ago, solely because of how uh, chaotic climate was. Mm-hmm. We've been living in a time where the climate is so stable that we can actually, you know, build systems and surpluses. We can find rhythms and such. We think of coastlines and rivers as permanent fixtures of our lives, when in reality, they ebb and flow just like everything else. I'm just curious if you guys have ever thought about systems like that going up that far and what your concerns are with a looming threat of climate change. Tucson, that is a you question. That's a you question. Yeah, you're always yelling at me about climate change. Uh, I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time. I think about how um, the indigenous people lived here before you know, the settlers came, how they would move with the weather or move um, 
just move. Mm -hmm. And we're so static now. Like if there was an infestation, they would they pick up and move. But we we are everything's so permanent in our minds, and uh, we've lost that flexibility. I mean, I live in a country where there's parts of it where water is only available at certain times of the day, mm-hmm. and even my water here gets shut off randomly, with no rhyme or reason. There's no warning. There's no you know, number I can call. There's no website that'll tell me when it's going to come back on. Um, you live in the, the desert. Desert ocean, right? So it's a weird climate. Right. Down here. But um, even the growth of a place like Tijuana, which is much larger than it was, you know, 20 years ago, has a lot to do with climate change, NAFTA, but also climate change. Um, you know, what we see with walling yourself off from people to kind of hoard resources, like we were talking about Israel, Palestine, parts of you know uh, Bangladesh. There's places all over the world where people wall themselves off from the resourceless. Definitely parts of uh, Brazil. Um, I think that's a reality, and that's all due to climate change. Yeah. And we don't really talk about climate refugees that much. It's, um, it's coming. What we see at the southern border has a lot to do with people fleeing, you know, resource deficient areas where people of means are going to hoard it all. So I think about it and it scares me. I don't have anything cool to say other than I'm frightened. I don't know if that's the right thing. I don't really. Well, if I can interject there. I am actually not quite as dismayed by it because of a couple things. Mm -hmm. I think we live lives that make us feel alone, amortized just as individuals, but this is not an individual problem. It's not even a singular national problem. It is a global problem. Mm -hmm. And there are billions of people on this planet that if put to work could easily overcome all of these issues and challenges. And if you guys are concerned with water, just got to say Nebraska is sitting on, you know, an ocean of fresh water beneath our feet called the Ogallala Aquifer. And there's only 2 million people in this state. And uh, we're bigger than all of New England combined. Ouch. It is a very large so, state. So are you you're telling me you got a room there for me is what you're telling me? <laughs> um, I, I got a room for you in about two months. If you think you can live in the snow. <laughs> I've experienced your fall. I've I've experienced your summer. I've experienced your fall several times. I've ran from a tornado. Um and you like I saw it. I was on the highway and I saw it and I was like, holy shit. Um I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm what I'm capable of doing. Well, you just gotta remember, snow here isn't that bad. We only get like thirty inches over the course of the whole winter. The issue is is that we usually get straight line fifty mile an hour wind, so the drifts get up to like eight ten feet. Yeah. 
that is uh, <laughs> that's some year 3000 into the world, you know, John Cusack's in the movie bullshit for me. Well, I am going to get back to working on my combine, but I appreciate you taking my call. Kowalski, I appreciate you. So you have a very good night, brother. Good night, Kowalski. Kowalski came out to the New York show. I think we need to let the, Kowalski came all the way to New York. That was awesome. That was awesome. And he partied with us at the bar for a little bit as well. So he's a he's a it's a cool dude right there. I'm look, man, climate change slaps me in the face every so often. I think it was yeah, last week before I left, our water was out for a week. Mm. It's like it's frustrating when you just you turn on the sink and you're just like, please don't, please don't, please don't ah no me, no whammy, no whammy, stop. Well, contrast that with the floods in New York. I saw that. That's so crazy. Well, what was remarkable about it was that the storm didn't have a name. It was just a random storm that caused all that trouble. Very delicate systems we have over here. Storm over there. Storm over there. (laughs) What's his name? Over there. (laughs) We have a super chat. I don't know if you'd like to answer this. Go for it. What does it say? Can I get it on the screen? Come on. It's on the screen. Have Doug and Matt patched up their differences, and how do you feel about like-minded leftists taking their grievances public? Matt Leck? Yeah. Who? There's 17 Matts on the left, so. Um, I don't know anything about any beef Matt has with Doug because – when I talk, I haven't talked to Matt Leck in a minute. We were trying to arrange a live show, and that was like the last conversation, and it was very, very brief. Um, I, I talked to uh, uh, David Griscom way more than I talked to Matt Leck, and it's not like a slight on Matt. It's just he's a busy person. Oh, you mean Matt Bender? I don't know Matt Bender at all. He was on the show one time. One time. One time. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Lane is an interesting character and this is just my two cents on Doug Lane he's an interesting character that is a weirdo and he likes being a weirdo and for a long time he could exist in this world being a weirdo and I don't think you can be a weirdo like that anymore and that's kind of where I'll leave it I think he still says stuff that has merit. Oh, okay. I just got a text message. Is Matt McManus? I didn't know they were beefing at all. I don't know what they're beefing. What? McManus is like the nicest guy in the world. Talk. I talk to Matt sometimes on the side too. Matt is like super nice. Super nice. Have what the hell? And I talked to Doug recently because uh, when I went up north, I saw my friend Conan went to go see Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends live, and Conan's tour is going up north. And I asked him if Doug and, and Jeremy Salmon could get into the Portland show. He said, sure, no problem. So that was a lot. And I told Doug, I was like, hey, Conan's coming up. You should go check him out. Doug was like, oh, no, I should, I should go uh, see him. And, you know, I like his music. It should be a good time. And that was like the last I talked to Doug. But I didn't know those two had beef 
I don't know how legitimate it is because Twitter beef, as Ben Burgess will tell you, is real different than like real world shit. Like there's people that have said some really not nice things to Ben and he's seen them in real life. They were real fucking friendly. So um, I don't know how serious that shit is, especially for a guy like Doug. He he does not take that kind of stuff because he is such a weird guy. I mean, we did the Are You a White Ally with Doug, and he, he did not get <laughs> he didn't get offended at all. <sighs> oh, Jesus, That's he's got nice. chunky calves. Doug. You met Doug in New York, so you were all hanging out in New York. We're hanging out in New York. In the summer party. He has floofy hair. He does have floofy hair. He's a, he's just a, he's a silly dude. He's a silly dude, right? I need to turn the volume down so you guys don't know when Ben is texting me, middle fingers. You have to you have to put this super chat on the screen because this is the this is what I did not think I was gonna get and I'm totally cool with this. Show show. That's not it. Is. You are losing it, Tucson. That's not the super chat. Oh my um, computer is slow. Oh, now it's the computer's fault. Shut up. Here. Talk about your favorite Skinny Puppy album and what Justin Broderick is like in person. I am not the biggest Skinny Puppy fan, as I actually come from a totally different musical world than than that industrial kind of heavy music world. Um, but because of the group I was in with my ex, most of these posters you see behind me are Le Fin Absolute Dumont posters from the band I was in with my ex. Um, Justin Broderick did a remix for us. So we got to go on tour with Godflesh. I think I'll take it off the wall. Oh, my, no. oh no! Oh no! I, I taped it, but you can, I don't know if you can see it, but it's I still have my Godflesh tour badge because that was a tour that really changed my life, actually. Um, and uh, we did a show in L.A. and at the Fonda Theater. I think it was sold out. And the Fonda, the backstage is like underground kind of. We got there. We had dressing rooms with our name on it. We were like, we made it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and um, we went out on stage. We had no idea what the place looked like because our merch, we had a, we had a friend run merch for us, which is in front house. And it was just packed. It was like people. I saw people everywhere. I was like, oh, shit. And they didn't know who we were. And that's like the worst feeling in the world to play a show and no one knows who you are in a place that big because they're like, you know, entertain us. It's like that Nirvana song, right? And we did. We did our thing like we always do it. We, as hard as we could do it and people really dug it. And one of the people that really dug it was Seven Key from Skinny Puppy. And as we got done, pulled all our stuff off stage, we were really stoked. So we just ran I don't know if, if Cindy ran with me. I ran to go hug our friend. And at the time, he was doing some like management stuff for us. He he had hooked the whole tour thing up and the remix up with Justin. So we went to go hug him because this was like this great moment. And as we're going to go hug him, 
uh, uh, Seven from Skinny Puppy is holding up a LeFinch shirt. And he was like, hell yeah, hell yeah. And he had the vinyl. He was like, hell yeah. And so there's a picture of some people that were fans of, of LeFin that they took with of him in Seattle. And when he went on tour, he was rocking his LeFin shirt. There's pictures of him like all over the world with his LeFin shirt. So I think that's pretty cool. So I should have his favorite Skinny Puppy record because of that. Justin Broderick in real life is one of the nicest, most humble cats. Um, he's a little introverted. Um, great fucking dude. I got to see him uh, a few months ago when his tour came here to or came to San Diego my daughter came to visit at the same time, so me and my daughter rolled up to to hang out with him for a little bit after the show, and it was uh, a lot of fun. And I've been trying to get him on the show. He's just too nervous to come on. Um, he was telling me about it. I was like, "Just man, come on, bro. You're doing interviews with all these other people. It's like, ah, man, you know, you know how I am. I was like, yeah, but we won't talk politics. I promise. But I'm still trying to get him back on. But that was that was one of the craziest experiences to do that tour, the press run after that, the way things kind of changed for us a little bit musically after that. So Justin Broderick is one of the few real cats out there. We have no familial affiliations with him. We don't have the same management. There was like nothing that we had in common other than someone sent him our stuff and he was like, I dig it. And you don't really get people like that too often in the in the business. All right. I'll shut up now. Sorry. <laughs> you want to push the next call through? Pumping. Calling from a six. This is uh, Andrew. I did the poster. Hey. Hello? Andrew, what's up, man? How's it going? Not much. Uh, you know, just working on uh, projects and stuff. How's it going with you? Uh, it is going. Uh, or sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, who's on the phone right now, Andrew did the poster for Kayfabe. Oh, nice. And I haven't done a a an email. I was going to send an email out to everybody, and it'll come out probably tomorrow. I'll have some time to do it. Um, to show that the poster's out, we should have it ready by November to to mail out to people. Um. So he hit Andrew hit me up and and volunteered that he wanted to design the poster. I didn't have a design. I had some things in mind, and we talked for I don't know how many weeks we talked about it. And I love the cafe poster. I'm pretty stoked for it. I'm really excited to start doing these premieres. Uh, unfortunately, I was supposed to watch a first draft of a final draft, but I have to do. I'll be probably not on air most of next week because I'll be editing uh, another documentary that uh, a friend of show Alexander Herbert's doing about the punk scene in, in, uh, in Russia, in Georgia. But Andrew, what'd you call to yell about? Yeah. How's it going? I was calling, I was calling about, I saw your show with uh, Corey Doctorow about how we like, you know, part of it was how we like kind of rent everything and everything's kind of digital now. We don't really own physical things anymore. Mm -hmm. And I kind of relate to that in that, this is more. This is more from the creative side, mm -hmm. but like from the creative. But like you know, when I do illustrations now, 
it's all it's all digital, like for Photoshop, because like I'm I do a lot of stuff for like magazines and newspapers. So with that, it's like they're really tight deadlines. So like digital, digital, it's like a lot. It's a lot quicker than doing a painting, but at the same time, you know, you kind of give something up because I don't really own. I mean, I, I own the PSD file. I don't think it's the same thing as having the painting there. Mm. I mean, you know, you can't sell you can't sell the original, but that's like the second point. You don't have the actual physical thing. I don't know if you guys talked about. It's not like I'm renting it, but it's like it's like I don't have the original. So yeah, it's kind of what I, I just kind of related to that show a lot. So thank you for having that uh, talk with Corey Doctor. That's a really good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that a little bit because I deal with it because I have to use an old rip version of mm-hmm. Final Cut. So all the new stuff that you can do, all the add-ons, I can't do. So, right. you, you know, I, I know it's like same thing with like music software. Music software to me is a little different because I actually record, yeah. you know, with live instruments. So that makes it a little bit easier. I don't need as many plugins that are offered with newer stuff. But there's just such an industry built around all the extra stuff that you need. You can't just, you know, buy a suite like you could, you know, many moons ago. And, and do your thing. And I know it's the same thing with uh, with like Adobe. I'm assuming you're using Adobe or something like that. Yep. Yep. Adobe. Yeah. yeah and there's like a monthly fee yeah, for that man. now, right? It's, I, actually, I did the year plan. It's a bit cheaper, but it's still like six, it's like 600 bucks. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Every time I hear that, it's like my heart stops a little bit because when I see that charge on my car, I'm like, oh, yeah. Right? yeah. But I mean, yeah, man, it's it is what it is. It's it's frustrating for. No, but I, I love that show. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I just want to. Yeah, I love that show of Great Doctor because I really I felt that in. But yeah. Well, thank you very much for your call, Andrew. Is there anything yeah, else you want to get off your chest? Uh, no, that's it. But no, thanks, man. It was good working. <laughs> I, I love the. I'm really happy with how it turned out, and I love working with you, man. It was great. So. I hope you have a good night, man. I'm going to try. Thank you very much, Andrew. Peace out. Peace out, man. That was Andrew who designed the poster. That's hella dope. Uh, he called in. Uh, I, I haven't shared the poster. Oh, is there a way I could do it? I don't know if there's a way I could do it on here. I want to share it with you guys. We'll just, You know what? I'll share it tomorrow because we're going to be on air tomorrow anyway. Um, how are you feeling right now, Tucson? I'm feeling good. We have a super chat here. Oh my goodness. The other half of MT's coffee. Thank you very much. <laughs> I miss Revolutionary Reckoning collabs. It's been a year since the live show LA and I would love to see y'all again. Well, once again, uh, I will be in the San Francisco Bay Area on November 18th for the book launch party. Josh, I think you are a metal punk guy. If so, is going to be super fun. There's going to be people from, you know, all the old school bands. I I can't say the names just yet. Only name I can say is is Chris Contos. If you're familiar with Machine Head, Contos played on the first, I think, two Machine Head records. Um, he definitely did a, a tour with them recently for the 25th anniversary of Burn My Eyes, and then he um, he's in Forbidden now, and of course he's an original drummer in Attitude Adjustment. So Contos is going to be there and he started hitting up all these people that he wanted to be a part of it. And again, I, I can't say all the names, but it's 
I was shocked at the people that are going to be down to do this. Um, so if you guys can make it out to the Bay Area, it's going to be a fucking ball. Because those guys are fun, and they have stories galore. A lot of that little essay comes from conversations with guys like Contos um, for hours and 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 hours. And hours. <sighs> so. Are we ready? Um, are we ready? Do your thing, Toussaint. Okay. Calling from a 732 area code caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oh, man, I got through. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Uh, Ramon from, uh, from Jersey. Oh, shit. Jersey caller. Hey. What's up? <laughs> We all don't sound. We all don't sound like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody say, Ramon. Yeah, man. Now, look, <laughs> look, man. I'm, I'll keep it short and sweet. I don't really call in the podcast and shit, but man, I, I appreciate the show, man. You guys do a good job. Uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Pascal, man. I like the Mau Mau Hour and all that. He got some good stuff on it, <laughs> so it was cool, man. I appreciate it. Oh, and. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I said I wanted to just mention the uh, the Palestinian. You know, look, I don't want to start no YouTube beef or nothing over here, right? But um, I, I just I, I noticed, you know, because I followed geopolitics a long time, and and uh, you know, like like the Ukraine, all that. You know, I've been following all this shit for years, and I just, I just noticed it, it just so happens that and, and with this whole, you know, with what's been popping off in Palestine, man. Like especially a lot of these, and and, and just keep you know just keeping it a buck, you know. It's uh, it's mostly like the it's like the white geopolitics commentators. They have a clarity when it comes to Ukraine, but when it comes to Palestinians, they got a whole different, you know, way of talking about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, you know, I, I find that very interesting. It's just like, you know, it kind of it kind of makes you eye. So kind of showing some true colors, you know. Mm. It's Ramon telling it like it is. Somebody say Ramon. No? You're not gonna, Tucson, you're not no, gonna give it to me, Definitely. Oh, you're killing me, Tucson. Ramon? You, yeah, come on. Oh, yeah, Tucson, yeah, yo, I appreciate what you do there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try one time. Somebody say Ramon! Ramon! There you go. We did it. God. You don't remember that? Uh, no. He, in Beat Street, Ramon, he died. Great. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, bro. Beat Street. <laughs> Beat Street. His name was actually Ramo. It Beat wasn't Street. Ramon. Yeah, it was uh, the tagger. In oh, Beat maybe Street. that's why. Yeah, the tagger in Beat Street. He died, and he was the friend of the rapper dude. And at the end, they have the concert. He goes, Somebody say, No, okay. Oh, well, Jason, man, if you ever make your way out to Jersey, man, definitely let me know. So. Well, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. We got to take Bert, Bert Cooper. He's from Jersey. So, yeah, I'll be out there with Bert. All right. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's boring out here sometimes, man. It'd be good to have you come out. Hey, we can have a party. Don't even worry about it. Thank you very much, Ramon. <laughs> Brother, you have a good night. All right, man. Thank you for your support. Got you, man. If you can- Thank you, for, thank you for calling. Thank you for watching. This is this is fun. Look. It is fun. Look, Ramon, check this out. 
everywhere is boring. All right. That's true. Everywhere is boring. People make shit fun. And I feel like if we went to Jersey, we would have fun. For sure. We would have fun. I would, I, yes. We should do that. When we do, when I go to New York, we should make a trip to Jersey. Would you be down? Yeah, for sure. As long as I got my little, my little black, actually little, you're what? You're all of five, eight. Here we go. (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Can we just like traverse around the East Coast, Tucson? That'd be fun. That would be fun. We need to make Pascal do one of these. Yeah. But he would have to get a soundboard so he can take phone calls. Mm, True. Oof. You know how hard it was? Do you people know how hard it was to get Pascal to get a mic stand for his microphone? (laughs) (laughs) Pascal with a soundboard is going to be like my dad with a cellular phone. The phone. (laughs) We have a super chat. Oh, shit. Did you dig 80s shoegaze? If so, favorite band? I'm rediscovering a lot of that stuff. And we, me and Cindy and LaFin used to get compared to the Cocktoo Twins a lot. And neither one of us really listened to it growing up. And it's I'm rediscovering it now. And I'm kind of all about that. Jesus and Mary Chain. Slow Dive. I don't know if they're an 80s band, though. Um, I guess I would ask, what would you call 80s shoegaze? Because to me, like the Smiths. Yeah. A real shoegazy, right? Yeah. And, and Tucson has definitely called the house and, and heard me, you know, listening to the Smiths. Listening to. Like a sad boy. How soon is now and crying. <laughs> How soon is now, MT? And I'm like, I don't MT, know. Why won't she call back? <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> Hopefully people go back and listen to I just keep saying LaFin a lot. You know, I still get a little bit of royalty money from that. So go back and listen to LaFin Absolute Dumont on Spotify, Apple, wherever the hell else you listen to music. It that was some fun music. Justin that's Justin Broderick was like, You guys created your own genre. I was like, fuck yeah. So there you go. Genre creator. We have a caller from out of the country. Oh, shit. Dun, dun, dun. I'm through. They are through. Hurry, hurry. The the volume's up. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hello, hello. (laughs) This is uh, Christoph calling from your former stomping grounds in Vancouver, Bonsoir, Toussaint. (laughs) <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! What's going on from Vancouver? Not much, you know how this appears rainy, but uh, you know, yes, it's going well. Going yes, well. tell Cuba we said hi. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I was calling because um, 
I've been listening to the show for a while. I'm a pet, I'm a sponsor or whatnot. And I remember when um, Pascal and you uh, first got together and were teaming up. And I was like, oh shit, because you know, Jason, you got a lot of humor. And Pascal is a bit, at first, he seemed more serious. So I was like, how is this going to work with the chemistry? But at the end, now you guys are like a really good two-for-one punch or not. It, Pascal, he even got some humor, too. And to saw, I'm just so glad to allow, you know, you keep the brothers in line. So I love your presence there. Thank you. But, uh, and, and I like Pascal because he, he, he asks the tough question. You know, that's what I like about him. I mean, that's why and, we like um, <laughs> Also, it's like, um, you know, what you guys bring to the table of your analysis of race and capitalism, um, you know, it's like a thing you guys helped me see, and now it's hard to unsee it. So now when I'm in conversation, it's hard not to bring that ana analysis to the table and be like, well, but did you actually think about it this way? You know, so I, I thank you guys for making me aware of that. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Convert converting one person at a time. And uh, I have a question from Toussaint. Toussaint. Oh, you delay me. Uh, when are we going to see your beautiful face? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. It's oh. a great question. Mm -hmm. If we ever really need the ratings, <laughs> then I will show my face. <laughs> all right. All right. Anything else? Um. Yeah, yeah, there's one thing. A, a while back, I think you had some thoughts. Uh, you guys were talking about Marcus Garvey, right? Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. And you were rather critical, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, um, you know, if you think about how Malcolm X's parents met through the... Uh, UAIA and you know mm -hmm. like even uh, I think Nkrumah read his work and like couldn't we say that his net effect has been positive even though he was a bit crooked from what I uh, learned from you guys' conversation mm -hmm. I think most individuals. That's my question. Okay, yeah. I think I'll, I'll I'll answer it. I think most individuals are complex, and I don't think mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think it's as simple as they're a huckster. But I think there's a little bit of huckster in him. I think much like Kendi, mm -hmm. I'll even I'll even use the Kendi comparison because I think it's a little closer. Oh wow. Um, yeah. I think it's easy to say it's a hustle. But you have to be a true believer, mm -hmm. and then you have to believe that Kendi did all that, all that schooling, <laughs> just to to hopefully maybe get to that point. I don't think it's just a one to one; it's that simple. And I think you can say the same thing about Garvey. I think 
there was something he was trying to do, but you get lost in the dollars sometimes. And I think there was limits to what, what mm-hmm. he wanted to do. Um, and, and I think what he wanted was black fascism in the end. Right. That was, that was literally what he called for. He got mad at, at uh, Mussolini for kind of stealing the term. So, you know, are, are we, are we happy? Are we in a better place? <laughs> that, that project never came to fruition. Um, probably, but that doesn't mean that there's not some value in some of the words. There's not some value in, in some of the, you know, uplift people were able to feel um, because of his movement. Uh, so then, I, I'm, I'm not a throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm the, you know, let's pull back and really look at this from some sort of analytical perspective. Um, but I do hate when people kind of, you know, treat him like he's the greatest, you know, brother since, <laughs> I don't know, MLK. Or right. Like what that. do you think to say? Um, I agree with what Jason said. He's a, he's a complicated figure. I wasn't as ready to to look at him in a negative light as others, but sometimes you need to take a step back and and listen to what people have to say in terms of their critique. Sometimes you know they see things that you don't see. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I think he was a true believer. I hold her I hold him in a bit higher esteem than the rest of the crew. I think just because of how. He <laughs> okay. But um, I didn't. There's there was a lot of information I didn't know. Like I didn't know about the black fascism thing, and most people don't know that about about his uh, biography or his legacy. Mm-hmm. So those are important factors too. It's complicated. Of course. That's why I compare him to Kendi. Okay. Right? Mhm. I think I think I believe in my soul that Kendi believes in his soul that the problem with the world is racism. Right. And the dollars definitely start coloring things and confusing things for people. Right. Like we have to be real honest about the dollars. You have to be real honest about that shit. Because sometimes people do bad shit, and you know, I'm sure Garvey's like, "Look, if I can get a little bit of this money, I can fix this, and maybe these boats is riggedy. But once I get enough people, I can get a good boat, and we, you know, I'm sure that it just wasn't a straight up hustle. I believe that in my soul. But but at least Gary got people on some level to connect in South America, Central America. North America and so on. I mean, you know, Candy, um, his baby book, uh, anti-racist <laughs> baby. You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I look. I'm trying to give a modern day. You are correct in that. I'm just trying to give more of a modern day comparison of somebody that's kind of a true believer, but that also got caught up in their own hype. And mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and their and their theory had flaws, massive flaws. And yeah. and you know now you can't see the forest for the trees, but people are patting you on the back. That's some that's some scary shit. 
on on a level that I will never understand to have that level of influence and to be so flawed in my analysis and to be so wrong. You know, there's other individuals at the same time as Garvey that we don't talk about because they didn't have the hype machine that Garvey had. Like last night, we gave a shout to Jeff Perry who wrote the book about Hubert Harrison. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's an important figure when it comes to black socialism and organizing and things like that in the same time frame. Never gets talked about in the same light as Garvey because there's not the rah-rah bullshit around him. That Mm -hmm, rah-rah bullshit mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. so strong. Much like anti-racism. When you start talking about like the folly of white people and you say it with dreadlocks and an X in your name, now you're a serious individual. If I spent all my time talking about white people, this, that, and the third, and white supremacy, this, that, and the third, we'd have so many more subscribers. People would take us so much that's more true. seriously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's for a certain class of black folks, actually. And it's not the ones that's getting stepped on. So, right. you know... I, I don't want to get too much into it and, and derail the whole show. And I'm sure if Pascal was here, he would derail the whole show. By <laughs> too much into it. You know, because him and I had a conversation about it earlier today, actually, about like glorification that certain, you know, bougie Negroes get to have. And then they get to be the cats that define the whole the whole time frame, especially when we're talking about like the 80s and shit like that. So. Yeah, I'll leave. I'll leave it at my take. Is is Garvey is a is a flawed, complex individual, and I w- I refuse to throw the baby out with the bathwater with him and say he is all bad, but I can't say he's all good either. Oh, okay. Hey, I just got one quick question, mm-hmm. and um, that is about how do you guys feel about the work of Jared Ball? Because you know he's kind of you know. Uh, I feel he's a bit on your guys' waistline mm-hmm. as, you know, demystifying black buying power. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've seen you guys work together or um, on that kind of level, like well, with black well, media power and what they're well, doing for, over first there. First of all, Jared Ball is light skin and he's yeah. too light and he's not passing the paperback test. <laughs> I'm just oh, yeah, kidding. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kidding. Someone's <laughs> gonna send this to Jared. I'm gonna get so much hate mail. I'm just kidding. Jared Ball is a is a profoundly brilliant individual. What he's been able to do with his channel, Black Power Media, is, mm-hmm. is something for people to in this industry probably to aspire to. We do not agree on everything. That being said, Jared's been on this show before, as you know. He's actually even came in for a champagne room. Uh, Jared is a lot of fun. He's also a fellow musician. Um, I think his book on the myth of black buying power is a profoundly important piece of literature. It's not that long, people, and I think it's free. It's about 90 pages, but it's 90 very important pages that definitely dispel the myth of circulating a dollar around a community. So, no, we we don't agree on everything. Jared is more of a black nationalist, and he'll tell you that. Um, But as far Mm -hmm. as far as like... uh, I don't hate anyone on that channel. I watch it from time to time. I'm sure Jared watches us from time to time. Um, 
again, we just don't align on a lot of things. So we, Pascal's been on the show more than me because he's he aligns a little bit better with them than me. I don't think they know what to do with me, and that's fine. But uh, I wish him and Black Power Media nothing but the best. They're very good, and you guys should check that out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that. Well, uh, just do me one last favor. Say what's up to Pascal for me. And, you know, like, he got some humor. He got jokes. Like, you brought that out of him, Jason. And I give you props for that. Well, thank you very much. You have a very good night, brother. Thank you. Okay, love you guys. too. Thank you. Love you, too. Um, that was a good call. That was a fun yeah. call. Uh, I, I actually, I actually like when people ask the Black Power Media question because mm-hmm. I will be, you know, completely honest. Because yeah. Jared's been on the show before, and I've, yeah. you know, I've seen the back behind the scenes stuff with him as well. So, you know, it's it's all good, dude. There's no the beef that people have is uh, Way's blood. I don't know what Way is blood. Someone says, "What does Jason think of Way's blood?" Am I saying it right? I don't know what that is. If you have a link to it, send it because I don't know what it is. I will try to get to it. <laughs> what is Sad Boy Jason's champagne room to son? I don't know. Is you playing uh, shoegazer music? I guess. <laughs> We're gonna have we're not gonna have live music. We're definitely gonna be playing some fun music at the at the event for for the book launch. I'm again, I'm so stoked for the book launch. Like I want to say the names that are gonna be there. Oh, this is killing me. I can't say the names yet. Because I feel like once I say the names, the tickets go on sale. We'll spoil it. Um, and I also want to say that I'm glad the caller reminded everyone that Pascal has a sense of humor. Once again, we right. have to give the greatest shout out to Cedric Johnson, who told to Ray Reed to come on the show, who then told Pascal, hey, you need to hook up with this this young guy out of uh, out of Oakland. And we've been doing this. Pascal and I have been doing this for three years. This month marks how many years, Tucson? How, how many? Wait, what? Four years. Four years. Four years of This Is Revolution. That's a a long time. That's why we do the TIR rewinds, guys, because we have so much material that you guys haven't Mm -hmm. experienced. And because I want to say maybe the second year or third year, we just did so many really good deep dive history shows with guys like Gene Bajlan, Kuba, and even Pascal that we were like, we should go in the archives and play some of these because people just missed them. We weren't that big at the time. The show's growth has been truly exponential. Like I said, two years ago, we were celebrating our 100th download from the Audio Only podcast. And here we are, over 650 episodes now, and we're coming up on the millionth download. Can you believe that? That's insane. We're going to have one million. That's just the audio. So the, the show, this show is also kind of a newer thing because originally it was it was an audio-only show that I preferred to do that way. Are you ready? No. Yes. No? Yes. Do it. 
Calling from a 480 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, my name is Mark. I'm from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Hey! I know. Florida West calling in. <laughs> um, uh, I guess first off, uh, uh, I really appreciate uh, hearing Kowalski's insights. Uh, they've been very uh, good over, are interesting over the past few years on MR. And uh, also what Ramon had to say, as, as an American Jew speaking, I think, you know, it's right about, uh, you know, the two dual sides people have and that sort of thing. And, uh, and uh, but the real reason I called, um, so I guess I'm in an odd predicament, which uh, I'd like to ask of your uh, uh, input on. So a little bit of backstory is a, uh, I had renal failure for a few years and finally got a kidney transplant oh. around the time George Floyd happened in May, 2020. Jesus. Okay. And, uh, uh, luckily I, uh, I have good insurance through my work. I work for the, uh, Arizona state retirement system. Okay. Um, which is a state pension for teachers and, you know, uh, public workers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, instead of going for like a, you know, the, the private industry or for like business and make a, turn a dollar into a dollar ten, whatever uh, Don Draper said. Um, I thought, okay, that, that's nice. Uh, I can, uh, you know, have a safe environment and, you know, get a pension. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. um, but ever since, uh, you know, COVID happened, a little before that, I started growing rare and threatened tropical fruit trees. Okay. So I grow, you know, stuff you probably, you're in Mexico, right? I don't know which region. But uh, uh, what region? What region? I'm in I'm in Baja, so I don't really. It's not tropical up here. Oh, okay. I'm in Baja Norte, so it's not. Yeah. Tropical, okay. Yeah. But I I focus on a lot of stuff in like Brazil. Okay. And it's uh you know that's a very deep port or uh, threatened region, the mm -hmm. Atlantic Forest and the uh, Cerrado region. Mm -hmm. This how this uh you know comes back to me is so I've kind of become a little bit of a conservationist because I'm importing seed from, you know, locals who get it from a village and it might be good, might not be. So it's a very, you know, hit or miss thing. But I've been following a story out here for the past few years about uh, Saudi Arabia farm company. They would uh, use groundwater for free. They have like a huge plot of land in La Paz, which is like quartzite area mm -hmm. west of Arizona, west of Arizona. Mm -hmm. And they would, they would uh, grow this water-intensive crop, alfalfa, for feed for their cows or livestock or whatever, and then they ship it back to Saudi Arabia. So they're using free groundwater of Arizona. And then there was a uh, Reveal News uh, article about two months ago. Mm -hmm. I forget the author's name. Basically uh, exposing that the Arizona State Pension invested $175 million out of like the $425 million project. And so, you know, hearing about that, I was pretty, you know, upset that I worked for, I don't know, some less desirable people than I'd want to, mm -hmm. because my, my angle is like, Hey, I need to have health insurance for the rest of my life. And also I want to start a little fruit company and sell exotic fruits to local restaurants or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that'd be a good little side gig and, you know, really put my interest into. So now I, I can 
I didn't confirm it, but I asked the director a few questions at the agency-wide normal Q and A he has every quarter, and didn't get a real got a real political response. And a lot of people's input was, you know, we're in this so our members can, you know, make money for our members. So I I reached out to HR. I'm like, hey, I just want to get something on the record how much I'm opposed to this and how shameful and abhorrent it is. And now I guess I'm going to have a meeting with the director. And my question for you is like, I, I don't want to seem like I'm blowing this out of proportion, but like, I guess they've known about it for like two years. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if it's like worth the fight at this point. Like it's already happened. They're trying to get out of it or something, but it's still going to be a few years. But just the idea of like, yeah, we're making our members money, but you know, who cares in the future if, gallon, if a gallon of water is $5 or something like that in Arizona? I mean, you guys, I mean, you're aware of the mm. concern being in the desert of Baja. I am. So very that's where my real law. Uh, you called the, first of all, thank you for your call, but you called the wrong person. Cause I have definitely burned many a bridge <laughs> on my beliefs <laughs> um, and kind of felt nothing. You know, again, I always say there's a reason why I'm down here and it's not because I love surfing and tacos. It's because I'm making a lot of interesting, you know, decisions with with my heart, especially when it came to jobs and especially when it came to like fairness, especially when it came to what's right. Um, It's not easy for me to make sometimes the what's the word I'm looking for to the mature decision. Hmm. Um, which is why, you know, I have this wonderful group of people that I can talk to before I make bad decisions. What, what say you, Toussaint? Oh, I don't know, man. I was doing producer stuff. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, man, look, man, you, you have something that I don't have access to, and that's a pension. And that's important. Hmm. And I know it, it, it hurts your quote unquote leftist sensibilities to be like, I don't want to upset the apple cart, but I mean, can you do more not upsetting the apple cart? Yeah. I mean, like I know I have to put myself first and capitalism is unruly and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I get all that. It's just, I don't know. It's like, uh, I'm not involved in investments. I'm not that smart. Uh, I need to get those Jewish genes, but uh, it's, I'm just a you know a cog in the internal machine. So I guess like I'm kind of gonna try to drop it, and you know I was angry about it over the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, but you know calmed down a lot. And uh, I don't know people, you know, a couple of coworkers said, "Hey, thanks for asking that," but it's just kind of profound that like no one in that whole agency seems like morally opposed to it. That, that I've heard, at least. But you know, I'll, I'll give maybe you. Maybe that's just. Th- this is what I'll say. I blew the whistle on the homeless shelter that I worked at for some practices they were doing that were effed up, and I lost a job and I wasn't able to get unemployment actually. So I was in a horrible, and I was doing the show at this time too. Mm-hmm. I mean, weren't you fi- weren't you fired? Aren't you available for unemployment? No. No, I wasn't fired. Oh, okay. I I walked off because oh, they were they were they were exposing people to COVID, and it wasn't just 
us as staff. It was also the the residents as well. And there was just some really sloppy practices that were going on that were beyond that as well as far as like treatment and, and how staff should approach certain situations. Like, you know, they'd be like, hey, we think someone's got a gun in their room. Can you go get it? I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like these are this is a grown ass man with a gun. I I don't know if you thought I was Bruce Leroy, but I'm not. I'm regular ass Jason. <laughs> and I'm not finna disarm some grown ass man that's high out of his mind on methamphetamines and take a firearm away from him. Um and I got threatened, you know, definitely. It was just it was an unsafe environment for a lot of the people that worked there. And I voiced my concerns. And with COVID and all that. Oh, dude, it was a fucking nightmare. But I voiced my concerns. And you know what? After I left, um, all those things that I brought up changed. The thing that sucked is the programs that I started got killed. But the safety protocols that were very important. I'm talking about like physical safety of staff and, and residents. Those things, a lot of those things changed. Um so what really gained what what got what happened after I left? You know what I mean? What happened after I brought up a stink? Not too many people wanted to cover the story because it wasn't the scandal that they wanted. Um shout out to Davy D in the Bay Area. He was the only person yeah. that probably wanted to cover that story. Um so you kinda gotta ask yourself what can you get out of it? positively what can be done positively if you if you make a stink can you do more with your pension <laughs> than, than possibly without it and that and that's how i mean I who knows it. what it's gonna be like in 25 years when i get it or whatever 20 years um yeah i mean i think that's a fair point and uh it's become a little bit more of a national story now and this past week the governor kind of trying to close the loophole of the law where you can just pump out groundwater a limited amount. Mm -hmm. uh, so over the next few years, hopefully it kind of comes to a close. So, but it's like, I'm not going to have any sort of impact on billions of dollars of investments or anything like that. So it's, yeah, I guess it's better just to keep my head down and try to beat the man and get a pension. I mean, you you can be the whistleblower. You can you can contact reporters. I'll tell you this much: there's some interesting stories in California about water and places that actually don't even have water in California that no one talks about, especially in the Central Valley, because we also grow crops that are super water intensive in places that are dry as a fucking desert. Um, but like Bakersfield, a little further uh, north. But yeah, yeah. Stockton. Okay. No, that's south. But yeah. Further north in the Central Valley, so, right. somewhere like the Modesto. I haven't been to Cali in a while. <laughs> um, that's, that, I mean, there was a Reveal News report, mm -hmm. but that's it. But uh, I mean, that's, that's sufficient uh, in my mind. But yeah, I, I'm not. I guess I can. I can make a big speech internally, but yeah, what does it do at the end of the day? And and, and it's what are you, what is it going to cause? You know what I mean? Like, I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that the treatment of my staff was uncalled for and the way the people were, were being treated in the building, it was just, it was fucked up all the way around and it needed to be addressed. And some of it got addressed in me leaving, but I also had to deal with the fact that coworkers 
got mad at me for leaving. And to this day, I feel like shit about that. People that I really cared about were like, once you left, like you don't understand how important that was for you to be there and be a part of this thing. And I didn't think I was that important. I have horrible low self-esteem. So um, you kind of got to think of it all the way around. You know, how valuable are you there to people? So I don't know. All right. Well, uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, best of luck with you, to you both, and uh, have a good night. You too. Thank, thank you. You too. I love Arizona. Some of, us, some of our best friends are Arizonians. <laughs> Can I just say this? Mm-hmm. My therapist told me that sometimes the best way to be a leftist is to keep your job and to be subversive at work. Ooh. Ooh. So if I have a choice between giving somebody a refund and not giving them a refund, I'm giving them the refund. Don't tell people what you do. <laughs> I'm not telling anybody what I do. And I'm not saying what job that is. Go down. That would shut the whole show down. I'm not saying which job that is either. I've been subversive at a couple of jobs. It uh it can help. I miss Arizona. I was talking about, you know, I met, I was talking with a woman from Arizona, Conan's guitar player. He was touring with us from Arizona. We're having a great Arizona talk. I love Arizona. Someone said this phone number wrong. Sue Nyman, the phone number is 510-319-1899. What is the coconut phenomenon? Yeah. Are we going to run out of coconut? Cocoa butter? Is that what they're saying? Because there's going to be a lot of ashy niggas. Somebody asked if I'm an insurance adjuster. <laughs> that is so funny. No. Mm-hmm. They define it as coconut, a Latina who thinks they are white. A coconut is a Latina that thinks they're white? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what the phenomenon is? It's like a thing? <laughs> I didn't know it was a phenomenon. Oh. Them hoes ain't here. Them hoes ain't here. They are not here. I don't know them hoes. Mm, sorry, I said that. That was a champagne room comment. <laughs> I'm not Jason Miles. <laughs> I'm Gene Bajlan. <laughs> Bajalan. Bajalan. <laughs> No, seriously, I don't. I, if it's a phenomenon, if it's phenomenon, it definitely ain't out here. I have yet to see one of these people <laughs> act like that out here. Oh no, 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 like that woman in, in Get Out. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I I, sh- I should uh I should do a live stream in downtown because I'm gonna go eat after this. I'm so hungry, and I'm gonna go to uh downtown Rosarito, and I should be like, "You see any coconuts?" <laughs> Jeez. Hey, you coconut over here? Hey, hey, lady, you, you with the nalgas. No, no. You guys will find out why I'm single. Why does Jason keep getting slapped? (laughs)
probably has to do with what Nalgas means. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. I thought people were going to call up. And that's why. <laughs> and another thing. And another thing. Your mother. <laughs> well, what about that bitch? <laughs> nice. We have somebody who's been holding on for almost half an hour. Is hold on for one more second. <laughs> you want to sing the rest? You you want to sing the rest? Sing it. Sing the rest. I wasn't singing. Hold on for one more day. You know you love Wilson Phillips. <laughs> you ready to do your thing? You ready to do your thing? Ready. Calling from a 716 area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, how are you doing? This is Ian from Buffalo, New York. Hell yeah. My, my favorite band Love from Buffalo. Uh, yes. Um, so I originally called to talk kind of about a, a weird thing, or I could talk about a more serious thing, depending which way you want to go about it but uh the thing i originally called about was noticing that uh the right wing for some reason seems to have a lock on blues and rock guitar for some reason (laughs) as of late uh i don't know if you've noticed this but like i i watched that crazy right wing channel um real america voice uh, it's like on Samsung TV for some reason, and like Ted Nugent has a show, Oof. and they play like during the breaks. Like they'll have insane right wing conspiracy theorists, you know, farther right than Newsmax. And then on the breaks, they have this like canned, like really good smooth jazz for some reason. <laughs> like, and the other day I saw that Joe Bonamassa. I don't know if you know him. Yes. One of the yes. great. Mm-hmm. He was on Adam Carolla's show. Sounds right. Uh, what's that? I said sounds about right. Yeah, and I just find it interesting that uh, culturally, mm-hmm. a certain segment of the white population, like they align with guitar. I guess it's weird for me. I'm a blues guitar player. I like. Gr- grew up playing in like blues bars and stuff and you know there's always been the phenomenon of white guys playing blues me being one of them mm-hmm. um but it's weird that like they embrace the guitar aesthetic like ted nugent plays guitar on his show mm-hmm. and in the broader culture though guitar is kind of like lost prominence yes and no i would push it's back on that me. I would push back on that and say no, because what I see on social media is tons of extremely young people shredding. And I know shred guitar and blues guitar is different, but I see people not just shredding Mm -hmm. metal and rock. I see people shredding uh, R&B. I see people shredding like chill stuff, uh, almost jazz like stuff. Um yeah, the neo soul, all the neo soul stuff. Some of the, now, some sure. of these neo soul shredders, 
I, I, my mouth drops open when I see mm-hmm. that. But it, it's a, it's a class conversation that we don't like to have too much. You know, there was a time mm-hmm. when we had music in schools, and there was a burgeoning black middle class, and that's a time when you get in the in the seventies, in the early seventies, and late sixties, and you get in these urban centers, you know, Cincinnati, Oakland, California, L.A. Chicago, parts of New York, you get all these cats that get instruments and just turn them out, right? With funk and then blues mm-hmm. and, then, and then rock and kind of a combination of all of it, jazz as well. Um, and once you start losing that funding in schools, we start seeing that go by the wayside. And who can afford to get instruments in, in 2023? You know, kind of middle class kids, kids that come. I mean, that's a good point. Guitars are insanely expensive now, thousands, many thousands for a good one. And so when you think about a guy like Adam Carolla, who went from being kind of a funny man and a side funny man for Dr. Drew. So for a lot of people, Adam Carolla isn't a political figure. He's just kind of a, a silly guy that appreciates a lot of pop culture shit. I could see why you would want to go on that show and not really think anything of it. You know what I mean? Um, Ted Nugent, let's remember, and, and I, I'm not the biggest Ted Nugent fan. Um, my heroes love him. I never really did. But um, Ted Nugent really went off on that dude that said black people and women didn't really contribute anything to rock and roll. Ted Nugent was pissed off at that statement. Because Ted Newton is like, everything I do is because of black people and especially black women. So how dare you condemn these people that literally showed me how to play this instrument that I love? So that's interesting because we want to just put Ted Nugent in a big racist box. I'm sure he wouldn't let me date his sister off first glance. But after trading some licks on, <laughs> on my hollow body Epiphone that I have, you know, he might he might change his tune a little bit. I don't know, but you know, I don't. I don't. Well, even, this is my I, idea. Huh? I think our way. This is my. I think our way to take a lot of the working class white people to the more radical left is via blues guitar. I okay. think that's the end. Okay. Are you going to be the one that shepherds that class in? No, I'm lazy. (laughs) Yo. I'm going to be honest right now. You got to do like, I made a whole, I dude, I made this whole EP as kind of a joke about the black bourgeoisie. Black Uh Yacht Rock is all a joke. And every title is a freaking over the top joke. And I sent it to Pascal, and he just started cracking the fuck up because I still can't believe he have a song called They Let These Negroes Wear Air Force Ones at the Vineyard. I was like, yeah, I know. You got to do the same thing for blues. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I do more jazz now. I dropped out of music school, so I have a weird relationship with the uh, instrument at the moment, but mostly just playing local jazz bands and everything. But uh, I think... I don't know. Culturally, I think it, it is an interesting, um, 
it is interesting because I think what you said about like Ted Nugent mm-hmm. would be true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that guy, I forgot his name that Darryl, the guy who made friends with all the KKK guys, like he was a blues piano player. Oh, uh, D- 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 Davis, um, Daryl Davis, Daryl Davis, Daryl Davis. Yeah. Something like Daryl. Yeah. Something, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, another topic, slightly more serious, but interesting. Okay. Um, so I'm from New York state and, uh, I went to law school. Um, and one of my best friends, uh, he was a clerk at the uh, court of appeals in New York, which that's our highest court, mm-hmm. just the way the system works. We don't call it the Supreme court. And, uh, there was a, an interesting case that I haven't seen anybody talk about. I only know about it, uh, because he was working on it, helping write the, decision and he sent it to me saying you got to check this out this is insane um uh it's a case called people v baddocks from 2020 mm-hmm. um and i don't really want to like get into the whole like uh i don't know it, it's it's hard to to frame it because there's a certain way of framing it where it seems like i'm doing some anti-woke screed um i think mm-hmm. a lot of the way woke and all that i mean it's such like an eye makes me roll my eyes uh it's so overused now however it's a very interesting case in how a fetishization of language Mm -hmm. in the supposed interest of helping minority groups specifically these are uh this is a black defendant actually led to undermining his rights um Okay. I don't know if I'm taking up too much. Th- no, 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 no. Keep, to... no, keep, keep so, going. I want to hear. I, we got to hear how this plays out. I'm all. You got me on the edge of my seat now. So keep going. Okay, cool. I'm doing this off the top of my head too. So if anybody wants to read it, it's all free online. You can look up people be Baddock. Um, I, I haven't read the decision in a few years, but uh, the basic outlines of it was there's a defendant who he was in um uh, like uh being held in gen pop of some sort Mm -hmm. um and he was being processed and a fight broke out Mm -hmm. and he was blamed for the fight so he was you know that's what the case is over Mm -hmm. um and the person who they used as uh the witness was this older dude both these both these guys are black And, um, it turned out that the older gentleman was, uh, maybe, you know, had some self interest in saying that this other guy started the fight. Mm -hmm. So, um, in cross examination, um, the defense attorney is trying to impeach this witness's credibility and he's saying, well, you said that it went down this way, but isn't it true? Like, were you mad at this time when this fight went down? Like, did you instigate something? And he was like, no, I'm not mad at all. And the defense attorney, he goes, well, isn't it true that he called you an old N-word? I'm not going to say the word, but he, the defense attorney's quoting this actual situation, right? Mm -hmm. So he's quoting it to um this witness and he's kind of doing the thing where he keeps circling back around and he's trying to get his emotions up to catch him like in a lie to be like 
yeah, I did find it bullshit when he called me that, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to say, but you weren't upset about that. You know, he keeps circling around to this quote, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the jurors in the courtroom mm-hmm. stood up and she goes, I can't believe you're saying this word. If you say that one more time, I'm going to, I'm leaving the courtroom. This is ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. So normally like that juror can't serve anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's up to the judge's determination. And that's, that's what the case is over. Cause the judge let her stay and told the defense attorney, Oh you, yeah. Stop this line of questioning. So he wasn't allowed to quote an actual quote, right? Mm-hmm. Defendant gets convicted, right? So he wasn't able to impeach the witness. Defendant gets convicted. Mm-hmm. Plus, you already have a partial juror. You could tell she stood up and yelled at the defense attorney. So this goes up to the Court of Appeals, mm-hmm. and it's upheld. And the craziest thing about this, because again, this is a right. This is a court decision at the highest level. When you're doing crim law stuff, especially. Yeah, you're dealing with the craziest crimes and you know everything's mm-hmm. on the table you're talking about it you know serious issues mm-hmm. in the actual decision mm-hmm. this justice di fiori who's was technically a democrat but she's actually a republican she's not the uh chief justice anymore but um she like edited out the word like she wouldn't even say the court record words in the decision and was saying, yeah, no, it was okay, because why was the defense attorney using such an offensive term? The dissenting justice, the only dissenting justice, was also the only black guy on the court. Who said, this is insane. So, in the ironies of all ironies, it seemed to me, in them being so offended that this person is using this quote in this um, cross-examination, they undermine the rights of the defendant. The N-word defendant. Well, <laughs> yes. Sure. I mean, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what <are> you, <laughs> you called the show, so you knew, you know who the hell we are. Um, Oh, no, no, no. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. But I think it's a crazy case. You know what I mean? Like, and it shows how hollow this fetishization of, of the language is where the, the most progressive guy on the court is a black guy. And he's like, your reasoning is ridiculous. What are you talking about? Uh, it very interesting. That is very interesting. That is very interesting. Thank, thank you so much for that call. Cause that's going to give us a lot to chew on. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, so check it. I think Pascal might be interested in it as well. I've been trying to tell people about this case because, I, I don't know, I, it, to show where the head, because of the types of diversity picks of judges that are being made, even when you think that they are um, more progressive justices, mm-hmm. they're progressive in a very, mm, they're kind of into the politically correct kind of language. You know, I saw a lot of that at, at law school. They're very moved by these kind of shallow arguments and they they, they miss the deeper leftist ideals um, trying to be achieved. So. Oh. No, that's actually a great point. 
Thank you so much for the call, Buffalo. Thank you. Guys, have a good night. <laughs> have a good night. Um, one of my favorite bands, Every Time I Die, is from Buffalo. The, look, me personally, there's this thing. Oh, what's, do you want to read the Super Chat? Super Chat from Ken. Before I sign off, I just wanted to say how much I love you all. You bring so much levity in a stressful day. Thank you, Ken. Love you too, Ken. Ken, you have no idea how stressed out I am right now. <laughs> Me too. I'm stress eating. <laughs> like the things that are the reason why I'm leaving, you know, the show to go up north all the time is not for fucking vacations. I'll tell you that. Um, I find I find it interesting that that's where we are. I want to tell this really quick story before we finish out these last couple calls. I was talking to my friend Mike Cobra. You guys don't know who Mike Cobra is. He's only been on the show one time, but this show is called This is Revolution because of Mike Cobra. Mike Cobra is a white guy. He has a good white collar job, but he used to be, he still is a musician, um, touring guy, uh, lives in the Bay Area, really nice guy, has always been extremely supportive of my musical endeavors. And when I started doing Bitter Lake, he was like, dude, I love everything you're doing with this project and I want to make your merchandise. And when I started doing the the show, he would listen to it and he goes, you know, I don't think you should call it Soundwaves anymore. I have an idea. There's a lyric in one of your songs where you say this is not a war, this is revolution. And you should call the show this is a revolution and I have some some design ideas. I'll do this all for you for free. And this is literally what he does for for a living. And that's that's Cobra. That's what kind of guy he is. And so we're sitting down and we're having a conversation about Slash of Guns N' Roses and how he got a record deal. And Slash's mom, I believe, used to date David Bowie. And when Guns N' Roses was getting their deal, Slash was able to call Clive Davis over to the house to listen to demos. And we were like, who in the fuck can do that? You can't like they didn't tour relentlessly in a van. Like, guys, we're kind of connected. And so Cobra goes, oh, Slash's mom was the woman from the Jeffersons, right? And I was like, no, that's that's uh, Lenny Kravitz's mom. And I said it like that, like very nonchalantly, because it, it's a very minor mistake that anyone could make, right? I was on this show the other day where one white lady was another white lady. I was wrong, right? And... um. Mike goes, oh, and he's not a jokey guy. He goes, dude, I'm so sorry. I fucking, I did that white racist shit, huh? Like, you serious? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, man, I, I, I'm sorry. They're all black. I, I was like, but that's, that's easy to confuse two mixed race, half black, half Jewish guitar players that literally play similar kind of guitars and both have dads that were in the industry, both have black ass moms, <laughs> Jewish surnames like this. There's a lot of similarities between those two guys. You know, it wasn't like you confused Tyler Perry and Steven Tyler. Like there's mm. <laughs> Now that's a comparison. <laughs> Can you imagine Tyler Perry singing like Steven Tyler? Hmm. 
Dream on. That's that's what anti-racism gets you, in my opinion. That's the win. That's what all that shit gets you is that win right there. Um, you want to read this super chat? <laughs> sure. Sean McCallum says, I will say woke all day long. Wokery, like the traditionalism, is a tool used to hinder the development of proletarian class consciousness. You know what I'm going to say all day long? Sean Fain better stay out of your house. <laughs> also, Strom says, that's true, right? Normal, Norman Finkelstein is completely right about this. Paul Prescott says anti-racism gets you a lot of apologies. Like, seriously, that's to me, that's where all this stuff leads, because there's never really a big ask intersectionality. Like, really, what is it? What is the end goal of all this shit? Like, seriously. So. That's it's sad that that derailed a whole court case There, you know, a professor friend of ours who shall remain nameless had a serious situation in his school where he had a teacher that was literally teaching reconstruction. And she told the class, I'm going to be reading signs from this era, and some of them are going to have some really harsh language on it. And she read a sign that had the N-word on it. And students were protesting to get her kicked out Mm. for using harsh racist language. It's not like she wrote the original sign. Right. <laughs> My grandpappy <laughs> once thought no niggers should pee here. So do I. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but it's fascinating that this is what you're mad about. That's where the outrage comes from. There's no... Back to kayfabe. There's no outrage with assaults. It's you're mad. How dare you, sir, use this language in a court of law? He didn't say that nigger juror over there. Uh. It's not like I was the lawyer. But seriously, that's the win. That's the only win. And that's why a lot of people are frustrated with this current iteration of a left because identity battles are kneecapping us. What does kneecap the left more than anti-racism and BLM right now? Hmm. Kendi, done. Those three women that started BLM, they've been done. They all walked away with bags. They got their houses. Hmm? They got their houses. I'm saying they all walked away with bags, but the movement still lives on. And what is it moving? I don't know. What are you asking for? Reading all the kindy that I had to read for this article that I'm putting together (laughs) and hearing him say things like you need to have a constitutional anti-racism amendment and you need to hire me 
<laughs> to dictate what is and what isn't racist. Every policy that is written in this world, in this country, is racist. What about sidewalk length? It's racist. What about what? Sidewalk length. Sidewalk length? Oh. Curb height. Curb height is racist. It's racist. They want to make sure that Negroes are born predisposed with large feet. Paul's right. Paul Prescott, he won't be the race czar. And what do you get at the end of it? Like, seriously. You get apologies. You get to be a czar. You get to be the czar of apologies. You get to wear a velvet cape. You know what it really does? It allows... This is where people get mad. It allows a stratum of colored folks to obfuscate their position as class enemies because it's all about unified oppression woe is me at Martha's Vineyard as Pascal always talks about mm. alright we got a couple more calls I'm going to push one through Yes. Ah, Calling from the 818. Ooh, that's that's SoCal. What name were you calling from? Jason and Toussaint. This is Lenny Powers from SoCal. Oh, shit. Three otters in the chat for Lenny. Lenny Powers. I just wanted to make a little comment. I think uh, what you get from anti-racism is just a bunch of DEI breaks throughout the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of look forward to it. It's a little break from work. You know, you hear about, you hear, you hear people that get really close to the line, but then they just don't cross it. Mm-hmm. They just get stuck on language and no real solution. So that's just my comment there. But yeah. Um, wanted to call because I wanted to ask, like, with all the Palestine stuff going on, you know, you, you like, when is violence the answer? Mm. And, and I asked that question, I asked that question in the sense of, you have, you know, a colonized people mm-hmm. that have been stripped away from all their anti-violent means of protest, all their anti-violence means of, of resistance. And I think we, we have a problem here in a, in a, in a general sense where we can't hold two truths in our head, you know, simultaneously, like what Hamas has done is like, obviously abhorrent, it's disgusting and despicable, but yet like, what, what do you expect? Like, what is the, you know, what is, what is the, what can, what can you, like, what can you trust from the people that have been, you know, oppressed for so long with little to no outlet? You're going to get the extreme side of that group, you know, violently responding. And, you know, that's just my, you know, opinion on it. I wanted to kind of see, you know, what, what your take is on that. And also, I'm doing a Halloween movie night, Jason. 
And uh, the theme of it is really bad direct sequels to pretty decent good first movies. I've already watched Howling 2, um, Exorcist 2, uh, The uh, Heretic, Halloween 2 is up to tonight. And I wanted to see uh, what your recommendation would be for a uh, a really bad sequel to a to a fairly decent uh, good first movie. House two. <laughs> All right. And I did take uh, I, I caught the um, the episode of the uh, the Satanic Panic movies, and I I watched uh, from that I watched Green Room and. Uh, Night of the Demons, so those were, those were, those did not disappoint whatsoever. Night of the Demons too, I didn't dig. Um, right now in my head, I'm thinking of like really good sequels. Like I really, really dug Fright Night too. Um, ben Burgess will tell you he hates Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street too. I like, I like Nightmare on Elm Street too. Um, oh no, I thought it was great. I think that the uh, the uh, the pool party massacre was <laughs> done very well. That was like one of the best kill scenes within the movie. And uh, you know, I, I don't mind the uh, homoeroticism. I'm I'm completely uh, confident and intact in my own heterosexuality to you know observe it and you know absorb it and take it for what it is. Um, I'd have to like sit down and think about it because i off the top of my head I, the first thing i think of is house two i, I i'm not the biggest fan of all house right. but house yeah two i got only yeah. all right i gotta check it out because I, I i've heard house two but i've, I've never i've never seen it but check it yeah out. i uh i checked out howling two and um i was turned on and disgusted and afraid and frustrated all at the same time mm-hmm. within the uh Mid mid shift werewolf threesome. <laughs> that was uh oh, pet cemetery too. Didn't ah, dig it. there we go. Didn't yeah, dig Eddie it. Eddie Furlong. Didn't dig it. Did not dig it at all. Very disappointed. Um, yeah, still know what you did last summer. Didn't dig it. So that's off the top oh, of my you head. Didn't, you didn't find that the uh. I, I always loved how in uh, the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, uh, very far off sequels, they had to throw in uh, a lot of uh, either rappers or R&B artists in movies. Brandy. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of like Halloween Resurrection Buster with Rhymes. Buster Rhymes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and Brandy's in that one. Mm-hmm. I, it was just funny. I think it, they obviously played off on the whole, you know, TRL fad at the time. Cash in on those teen dollars. They were probably easier to get than incense. But yeah, so I, like, oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, I wanted to think, like, I wanted to know, like, what what, what is your opinion on on like, you know, violent resistance? Because you know, we, we've you know, as, as the left, I mean, and people that you know align themselves with the left, like I, I personally myself don't like consider myself a, a real leftist because I don't really know what that means, considering that there is no left really mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. I'm more so of like an active unionist and, uh, I, you know, that's what I could call myself right now. Cause like in my material reality, that's where I find, you know, material gains and influence in, mm-hmm. which obviously aligns with the left. But as far as like, you know, even, 
within the union movement, I mean, you know, you had a lot of capitulation uh, in the past, a lot of, uh, a lot of contracts that were, you know, just uh, kowtowing to, you know, management and, and, the, and the companies, but with a little bit more mili- militancy that I could see, you know, currently, it kind of, you know, aligns with being a little bit more, you know, so, you know, radical, so to speak. And, um, you know, pushing that even further, I mean, you know, I mean, like, like, I, I mean, obviously I'm not, you know, here to call for a revolution. I think that's silly. Um, but, you know, to take, you know, resistance in a little bit more, you know, serious manner and to, you know, consider, you know, violent resistance when, you know, and, and wh- where do you put that? Like, where do you put that within the, you know, the, you know, the steps to, you know, achieving liberation for your cause? Oof. I mean, that's a great question. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, I'll, I, you know, we'll, we'll thank you for the call, Lenny. And uh, I'll be. Yeah, thank you guys. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in SoCal um, for Ben Burgess's debate October 22nd. So hopefully you go to Ben Burgess's debate with uh, the head of the GOP in L.A. Um, you know, I don't know how much Fanon people watching this show have read, and I don't know how you read Fanon because he uses violence in a very ambiguous way where he doesn't really define what he means by violence because it means a lot of different things for him. But he definitely looks at violence as a, some sort of catharsis. But then again, we don't really know how serious he means because he also talks about trauma. You know, this is a man that was a therapist, so he also talks about the trauma of violence. Um, I was talking with Gene Bajlan before we went on air because I knew this was going to come up. And I am writing something. Um, and I went back into Fanon and some people that studied Fanon. And I also started looking at like rape revenge movies and reading some kind of analysis on some of them as well. Because the way I see people kind of reacting to this, it feels like a rape revenge movie. You know, I spit on your grave, last house on the left. There's so many of them, right? Where the woman goes in kind of timid, but she's hot and she gets, you know, totally destroyed one way from the other. And then she gets her comeuppance, but she's another kind of hot when she gets her comeuppance, right? Covered in blood, probably with some like ripped clothes and and a gun or a knife gene gray dark phoenix yeah yeah and i think people kind of have that sort of reality when they go well what what do you think people are going to do and we have to understand that it takes a lot of discipline to use violence because violence makes you reactionary and let's just go back and think about some regimes that used violence, you know, Soviet Union, Pol Pot, Castro, like a lot of cats use violence and becomes really repressive. You're going to become a little bit reactionary. Um, I don't have the right answer because I don't have an answer. I'm still thinking through it myself. I'm still reading and thinking through it and kind of reading through Fanon thinking through it because it's not as simple as what do you think people are going to do? Because then you deduce people down to kind of animals and you say, well, 
this is just what these cats are because of all of this oppression. And that can be also used against you because you said the oppression makes some animals. So they're animals. So that of course justifies a wall who the fuck wouldn't build a wall around goddamn animals, right? Regardless if you caused the behavior, they're there now. Right. Um, and I'm not from Palestine, so I don't really know. I can't. Right. I can only think about it. I don't really know. That's as honest as I can be. It hurts to say that because I'm supposed to know everything or have like a really good take. But I, my really good take is that I can't fathom what that reality is like. And I don't know what that would make me and the people that raised me and the people that raised them. Because we also have to keep in mind that not every soldier massacred and raped a family. Who does that extreme violence work better for in the grand scheme of things? Like, let's just really be honest with this. I don't know. Are the people of Palestine going to see that level of brutality and rise up around it? Depending on how you read Fanon, you might think so. But you got to read the whole book and you have to read him kind of struggling with these contradictions. That a certain level of violence it kind of hurts us. Then it kind of, it does. I haven't faced anything near the people of a war-torn country. I will never know what that's like. Right? Growing up in the 80s and 90s in Richmond, California, it was violent. But it wasn't bombs coming through the neighborhood violent. It was cats shooting up houses across the street. It was cats shooting, just shooting. But it still wasn't Israel-Palestine. It wasn't genocidal Pol Pot. I don't know what that looks like. Nobody here knows what that looks like. That's from the United States. We don't know what that looks like. I can tell you that just from my life, I'm real jumpy. I don't like people behind me. And when I hear things that sound like gunshots, I, I flinch. Because I got shot at. It's my brother's first memory is me covering him up as these cats just wanted to shoot a gun off. But that's still nothing like what them people deal with on a daily basis. We still never had our water just shut off because they could shut our fucking water off. And we weren't trapped. Our trap was kind of our own to a certain degree in, in that neighborhood that we lived in. But um, you'd be definitely able to get out. I'm free. Them people ain't. I don't really, I guess, again, my take is I don't know. It's something I'm thinking through. And I, I know this, one of my good 
friends spent 18 years of her life. And this is a good friend. This is a person that's been in my house. She knows my kids. And she's Jewish. But she's not a settler. Right? She's not pro the occupation. At all. Vehemently anti what Israel is doing. I would be devastated. And a lot of us, because this this person's very helpful in our world. We would be devastated if something happened to her. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Maybe we should all think about it. Maybe we should read our Fanon and, and again, read him <laughs> struggling through the contradictions of, uh, of violence. You know, he does say, you know, the only way you're going to get liberated is through violence. But no matter how you read him, how much you read him, he doesn't really tell you exactly what that's going to look like. All right. <laughs> one more call. One more call. One call. Calling from a two zero nine area code. Call. That is the Central Valley. What's Can your name? Hell yeah! Who's this? This is Josh from Modesto. From Modesto in the Central Valley. Modesto. The place where the Central Valley bitches. Where radio <laughs> goes to die because it's all right wing. <laughs> What's up, Josh? Pretty much. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm in a decent mood. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, all right, I guess. I was better a few years ago, but I'm on the up, up and up, I guess. Oh, no. What happened a few years ago? Were you divorced? No. Uh, well, I mean, went through some breakups and stuff, but um, had to sell my house. I had bought a house and um, couldn't keep up the uh, the mortgage payment because it was barely, uh, I could barely afford it at the time anyway, so... Well, I, you didn't call up to talk about your relationships unless you did, and that's really funny. No, I called to talk about housing. Oh shit! I and so I, I I work in architecture, and that's you know so like um like today I was working on a planning or like a design for a ten acre property that the guy wants to do like um storage facility in the back. Uh, apartment complex in the middle and a shopping center in the front on the main street. Um, but my, 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 uh, my firm does a lot of apartments. And so it's like, um, I can speak on, I guess, to a degree, um, the, the housing crisis. Um, and, and with my own personal experience, of course, um, shit that I'm going through right now, shit that I've been going through for the last, <clears throat> my my entire adult life, you know. Mm-hmm. But um Alright, so like two thousand fourteen I was um 
2014-15, I was making about 10 bucks, 12 bucks an hour. Okay. And I had a two-bedroom apartment, uh, two bath with a with a garage, and it was a gated community, and I was paying 880 a month. And um, now I'm renting a room for my friend's mom for 800 a month. So, um, mm. kind of like since since as I've been growing up, as my income has raised, my um, you know, the rent burden has doubled, tripled, doubled, at least, you know. But um, uh, your um, experience with uh, the housing mm-hmm. um, that you were talking about in that hotel, it, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I mean, I see it all around me. It's, homelessness has been like, um, like I remember as a kid, like, um, walking down the street or going somewhere with my dad and, and my, my parents were always very empathetic and very caring about um, other people. And for my dad, I, I just remember um, basically him saying like, if you, if you screw up, this is where you're going to go. You know, this is, this is how you're going to be kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um, that, that, that threat is always kind of like a uh, present. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's present in a lot of people's minds because um, the, the homeless crisis is insane, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it has a lot to do with uh, uh, the, the privatization <laughs> of housing. Yeah. To, like, um, I mean, and it's not just like, I mean, privatization of housing is also people owning their own house, like, which, you know, it's great and everything. Um, but we're, we're seeing, um, a plurif, uh, a prof, I, I don't know the word, um, proliferation mm-hmm. of <clears throat> small mom and pops, like, uh, rent, you know, buying properties through the life and then renting it out as a, as a means to retire comfortably or, um, I know pensions aren't a thing anymore, and so a lot of people need to find some way to make income while they're not able to to actually work. Um, so there's there's that, and I understand that, but um, I think a lot of us are seeing um, large companies buying up swaths of land or buying up bunch of houses that are foreclosed on or whatever it is like over the last 20 years we've all been we've all been watching it mm-hmm. um and uh and i and from my my point of view you know I'm, I'm doing drawings for apartment complexes and doing all this stuff and they're getting built you know mm-hmm. but they're they're charging at or above market rate you know so it's not like the the more it just seems like the more the more numbers that we have, it's not it's not even a, like no longer a market thing because I don't think that if we were to have a surplus of housing the way it's constructed right now, that the price would go down at all. I mean, the private developers have to make a certain amount of money. Maybe they're maybe they have investors. Maybe they're just trying to cover costs and costs are extremely high now. I mean, over the last few years, uh, building in California has gone, has gone up because of code changes and, mm-hmm. 
which, you know, I, I support because codes are very important. You know, people want to, builders want to cut corners all the time. And so, um, codes are important. And, um, but it's just, uh, Wow, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, but um, the, I think the, the the problem that we're seeing in um, society, mm-hmm. or at least in the recent spike in um, inflation and all that, well, we've been seeing that for 10, 10, 15 years, and through real estate, you know, once. It, it, the more people paying rent, the less money they have to spend at the grocery store, to go out to dinner, or to go on vacation, or to buy their kids shit, whatever. You know, like um, the the um, proliferation of um, investment housing, I guess, um, where you have. Apartment complexes that aren't aren't full because they're charging three grand a month or whatever. There's, I mean, that's that's like some of the uh, one of the the big apartment complexes that we're we're building right here in town is across the street from the Kaiser uh, Permanente Hospital, and Kaiser has a practice of which the nurses and and uh, the staff are striking over. They they have a they, they like to do travel nurses where nurses come from out of state and, and they get paid a lot more than the nurses who are there. Mm-hmm. And these travel nurses will pay three grand for an apartment across the street from their, from their, uh, their work. And they'll do that because they're making nine, ten grand a month. Mm-hmm. And they can easily just like put that bill, whatever. And they're making more. You know, including that, they're making more than they would be at home, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but um, the problem is, people who are working and living can't afford where they're at. They're paying too much as it is. Um, there's nowhere to go. I don't. I, I mean, I don't have anywhere. I, I'm looking for rooms to rent. Otherwise, like somewhere where I can pay less than 800 bucks. Or, um, you know, I, I I need a two bedroom apartment because I have my daughter who lives with her mom. Like a lot of the time, but you know, I, I, I have her. She wants to live with me. She's, I'll tell she came you. Out of lesbian. Go ahead. Josh, first of all, thank you for calling, right? Because it, it's hard. It's hard to call and be on air. It's one thing to like send me a message or, or tweet something out. It's hard to call. It's hard to hear your voice. It's hard to articulate what you want to say because we all want to sound like, you know, cool on the, when we call in i just want to say this i was in a similar situation before i came here to mexico if you guys know me you know i have actually have four children and i was living in this horrible warehouse and my daughter came to stay with me and it was rough it was very rough because it was just so dangerous in the area around there. Um, and it definitely wasn't a place I felt comfortable. I felt comfortable to a certain degree, but then, you know, you get to share amenities. Yeah. I'm not 25 anymore. And it's easy to be comfortable at a place as a man. Like, or, yeah. I mean, 
I can respect this, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. no, like, you're right. I, I, nobody's gonna mess with me. You know, nobody messes with me. I'm, I got big shoulders. <laughs> nobody's fucking with me. You know, and and I have that luxury. You have that luxury. Like, yeah, and it, it, was, yeah. it was different. And so I started looking. I started looking everywhere because I was like, I don't want a room because my daughter's an adult at this point. Her brothers are old. <laughs> they're they're on their way out of their house as well. But I have a five-year-old. And I don't want to share a room with a five-year-old. Because he's going to do five-year-old shit. Which is fine with me. He's going to think it's funny yeah, to laugh really loud. You're going to do grown shit, which is like the bigger thing. Like you know, you know what I mean? For a kid, you know, yeah. a kid to share the parents' room, but the parents, it's like, it's, it's, it's a different dynamic there for sure. You can't be yourself when you have your exactly, exactly. When you have a kid, and at one point in my time, at one point in my life, Josh, it was me and my ex I did music with, and three of the kids. The fourth one wasn't wasn't born yet, and we were sharing a bedroom. Three kids sharing a bedroom, and the family was really, really kind and nice. And it was less of a bedroom share, more like, well, this is just where we slept. And they kind of had free reign to, to do whatever they want to do in the house. Yeah. And the family was really, really cool. That being said, it's and not my not house. Case, though, at most places. Yeah, but, but it's not my house. <laughs> Regardless of how cool those people were, and I still love them unconditionally to this day for what they were able to do for me. I'm going to get weepy saying this. I still wanted my own space and i couldn't find Everybody it i couldn't find it where i'm from in the san francisco bay area if you're from the central valley it's super cheap but even i was finding places in the central valley that were too expensive i had to come all the way to mexico because i was like oh i can afford these places yeah. i can afford these places i can work remotely and i can have a space for my son or any kids of mine that want to come down here and fucking you know, hang out and I don't have to tell them to keep it down and they can be yeah. kids and have a good time. When you take that away, get it back to the original conversation. When you start taking shit away from people, you know, it, it does something to your psyche when you don't have the ability to provide kind of these bare minimum necessities. That to me is savagery. That is the savagery in the system that we live in that, you know, people just don't have. But yeah, I mean, well, especially because it's like our our culture is still very much like, well, if, if you don't make it, you're a fucking piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? If you can't do these certain things, you're a bad father. You're not a good citizen. You're um, whatever, a drug addict or an alcoholic or a whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, like. It's, de- it's devastating, and that lesson that I learned from my dad growing up, like, I, I was homeless in the, a year ago. A year ago today, I was I spent two, two weeks, two, two and a half weeks living in my truck. I got evicted, couldn't afford my, my two-bedroom place, and um, was laid on a, on a payment, and they evicted me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because they knew they could get 2000 like, I was paying 1550 for a, for a two bedroom little place, and they knew they can get twenty one hundred. And so the minute that I gave them a legal excuse to, to kick me out, they did. And as soon as they filed that eviction notice, that was another nine hundred dollars that I had to pay them 
plus my rent, plus, you know, like the, there's some other bullshit fees. Like, yeah, plus all that. Like, it, it's impossible. And having to move into a place, you have to have to deposit, first month's rent, you have to have whatever. Like, what, what, what if I, what if I was a convict or like had a record? I don't. <laughs> what if I did, you know, and I'm still having this job? I make fucking almost 60 grand a year, you know? And I'm, I, I'm paying child support and, and all this shit. And I have debts and all that. But, like, you know, 800 bucks a month is still tough for me. And it's, and, and, I mean, I'm getting underpaid. Most people working should be getting paid at least what I'm making. Like, and I'm getting massively underpaid and, I, like I, I, I shudder to think about what if I, what if I didn't have this, you know, what if I didn't have this, you know, what if I um, lose my job? I have ADHD. I'm a bad employee. You know, I, I have a short attention span in my focus. Shit, <laughs> you know, it makes it really hard to do architecture. But um, if I get fired, what the fuck am I gonna do? You know, I can go find a job somewhere else, but two, three weeks, I can't, I can't just go without making an income. Like, and, and this is, and that's not even talking about like the insurance that I get from my company that I have, I have heart, you know, I have a heart problem. I have AFib, I have depression and anxiety and ADHD that I'm not taking medication. I have all this shit that like, like if I go a day without my, my, um, mental health medication, I start like, it's, you start really sliding and it's like, it's, uh, it's just a tough, tough spot to be in everybody's in it and i and i'm lucky i have a good spot i have a good job i have all the opportunity in the world i'll probably i'll, I'll hopefully be a licensed architect here in a couple of years you know and once that's the case and hopefully i can make some more money because i fucking need it i can't i can't get a place for my my daughter can't have a room on her own you know she lives with her mom most of the time but over there they have a ton of kids and she's sharing her room with a bunch of people and she's she just came out recently. She's 14. She just turned 14, but she came out a few months ago as, as lesbian. And she said she's known, you know, since she was 11. And it makes a lot of sense to me because she's always been a very standoffish with boys. But um, her mom is a is a folk. Her her mom is a huge folk. She can't even hint or like she's always she's scared of. She always. Um, talk to me about making sure I, I use certain language and, and that kind of thing, you know, and it's, it's I want to give my daughter a place to call her own where she can have her own space and, and be herself and be comfortable. Like, and I, I can't even do that for myself. <laughs> like barely, like I live in somebody else's fucking house. Like it's, just, it's not the same. Like you were saying. Um, anyway, I, I didn't mean to take this much time. I just, it's just, a big deal for everybody. I mean, I think it uh, it impacts everything, and um, I I also feel like this is also a thing that people can organize around very easily. And um, I'm in DSA, you know, and um, and we we are, <laughs> you know, we're talking to people about how hard how hard it is, you know, and that's that's a real thing. So I don't know. Anyway, um. You guys are great, and I uh, listen when I can, catch up when I can. There's a lot of material. You guys are, like, pumping out stuff all the time, so I try, I try to keep up. But um, 
I just really appreciate you guys. Gosh, thank you for calling, brother. Have a good night. Yeah, I'll see you in November, right? November 18th? November 18th, Bay Area. Make sure you right. make sure you grab me. Make sure you grab me. I'll, 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 I'll grab Oh, for sure. I'll grab you and give you a big old hug. Got to. All right. Peace, yep. Josh. All right, guys. Oh, Josh. Have a good night. Josh. Yeah. Tell your daughter we said have a good one. Oh, for sure. All right, brother. <laughs> have a good night. I appreciate it. Bye, guys. Bye. Oof. That was a lovely call. You always end on those 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 notes, right? You don't have yeah. answers to. That's um, funny how that works. Since we're going so long, I usually say something that I probably will regret later, as I am a public individual and I do try to date. So hopefully, no one is watching this. <laughs> <laughs> All jokes aside. I struggle every month because I'm terrified of losing everything. And part of it's on me, right? I decided that this is what I was going to do. Be a podcast guy. Be a music guy. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. Last month it was not. I don't know what I did. Piss people off. Maybe it's just the times. I don't fucking know. Right. But not having your own space fucks with you. Right. Having to share a room and a house as a, I think Josh is like 30 some years old. Mm. You know, fucks with you. I did that shit. I'm not lying with three kids. Yeah. It fucked with me. A lot. It didn't matter how wonderful those people were. Of course. And, you know, my kids remembered it. They actually, the last time I saw my boys, they were like, what happened to those white people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ones. The white people, you know. Because um, you hate asking, is it okay if the kids eat? And it was like no problem. They loved it when the kids were there. Like, oh, the kids are coming over by blah, blah, blah. But to not be able to afford your own space in a place that is actually reasonably reasonable, somewhat reasonable. And now that place isn't even reasonable. When I was looking for a place to stay, I was like, you know, I'll go live in the desert. I understand the desert. I've worked at Coachella for years. I'm sure there's got to be a place out there that's cheap. There were rooms that were like a thousand dollars a month rooms. <coughs> Fuck this noise. And again, I totally found this on accident. My daughter came here and she was like the first time she goes, Oh, okay, I see why you're you're down here and this is great and it's really cool. And now she loves coming down here. Yeah. Cause she's got a room, she's got a little drawer. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her spot on the terrace where she goes and does reading she knows the people in town they fucking love her if I go downtown one more time and the old people don't say where is your daughter we just love her so much 
How is she doing? She's just so wonderful. She is. Oh, you people. <laughs> Real quick, we have a super chat for you. Oh, what does it say? Damn, stay strong, brother. Times are tough. Thanks for sharing. Have you tried listening to blues guitar? <laughs> JK, much love. <laughs> that super chat was needed in this moment. That's real life. What that cat is dealing with is real life. There's so many people that get so caught up in not real life. Mm-hmm. That's real fucking life. That's true. Josh, I look forward to seeing you November 18th. I hope it's a nice respite from the fuckery, drudgery of life. Definitely it's kid friendly. Bring your kid. I think she's going to dig it. I think she's going to dig hearing all these crazy stories from all these crazy rock and roll metal people. She'll have mm-hmm. a good time. The place where we're having it at, this person is an amazing friend of mine. He has some some small, wonderful kids that I got to hang out with uh, a few months ago. I'm crossing my fingers that my beige tribe will be with me. Um, we'll see. But uh, I was, you know, I was with a friend who works in in homeless services, and she was talking to me about work. And it was just like the heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And it's like, I don't know if I can do this, but I really love doing this. You don't make that much money. Right. You don't make that much money in that world. It's fucking hard out there for cats. I don't I don't have anything to offer at that point other than a hug. And maybe that's and and if you need to crash, you can come down here <laughs> for a limited time. For a limited time only. Somebody was like, "Your place looks like a hotel." I was like, "Yeah, check out that news." <laughs> Just so you know. But like all jokes aside, man, that's that's rough. I feel for you, Josh. I wish I wish I had more time on those drives back that I could hang out a little more in the central coast or central valley is where he is. And there's some other people. My I have a, a cousin that I haven't seen in forever. We've reconnected through social media, and he's in the, this this similar area. And I would love to hang out with some of those cats down there and shoot the shit. But that 14 hour drive is brutal. <laughs> and Wow. Yeah. Prairie Fire, uh, Prairie Fire Kowalski mm-hmm. in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. says Nebraska has very affordable housing. You just have to put up with the snow and the hill folk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, look, I'm fine with Nebraska cats. Again, I've been playing there since, what year is it? 2023? At least 13, 14 years, something like that. I've been playing out that way. I have no problem. I have a problem with the conditions in which you people live. Thank you, Kowalski. Somebody once called him Kowalski because he calls in all the time. <laughs> I look. This was fun. I we heard a lot of different things. I thought I was going to get a lot of Israel Palestine. I thought I was going to get a lot of 
all violence is justified under occupation. I thought I was going to get a lot of pray for Israel. I didn't know what I was going to get, yeah. what we were going to get. And I think there's diversity of people that listen to this show. There's diversity of calls, and I fucking love it. And I want to do this more often. Maybe we should do this once a month at least. I we, think that's really cool. Yeah. I would love it if Pascal could do it. Sadly, he does not have the equipment. Hey! We're for you, nigga! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you have another super chat from the letter hack. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. I was talking to Senator Nina Turner about your show tonight. Letter hack, what did she say? That's crazy. You know what's even crazier? She follows me on Twitter. Does she really? She sees your post about toys and horror movies. She saw my thirst trap shots. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> And the Patreon drops again. <laughs> we have another super chat here. Justin Sizemore, just a dude mm-hmm. from Kentucky. Not much to say. Too shy to call in. Been following the streams for a year. Love your stuff. Fuck yeah. Um, what part of Kentucky? I love Kentucky. Good question. I Just love... imagine you're on the phone talking to one person. Who, me? No, anybody who's uh, shy to call in. Just imagine you're on the phone talking to Jason. That's what you're doing, ultimately. Ultimately, that's what you're doing. Because you know what's funny? This is what Toussaint does when you guys aren't here. It's true. <laughs> the singing the oh no shit too. <laughs> like like all the silly shit that you guys get is what it is like if you talk to me in real life. That's very, very true. With yeah. Yeah. Am I lying? Was that a Pascal is old joke because his equipment stopped working? <laughs> it's it's whatever you want it to be. He was at the first Thanksgiving, you know. Very <laughs> <laughs> fires. I'm reading it. You know, it's funny, man. People are having like serious calls. And I like my eye is if you can see. So the way my setup is now with the new stuff is the screen in which the show runs off of is here. And then I have my script here and there's a camera right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why I thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. So I like you'll see me look off to the side here. And Jordan Dumas be like, dude, we can totally tell when you read the chat because you just start cracking up. You can't hide it. I was like, you guys have to stop being so funny then. <laughs> You guys are fucking hilarious. Chat is too much sometimes. I kind of want to say this. This job is kind of a blessing, man. Let's be honest. Yeah. Before the show, if you see me beforehand, I'm a mess. I'm reading too much. Even for today. 
Yeah. I'm preparing too much. I'm nervous. Nothing's going to go right. But I feel like I need that nervous energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the music starts. And then we get rolling and we're all good. And then I see the chat. And I'm like, this is funny. Chat. Mom said, Jason, you're going to produce Norm Spinkelstein's blues. <laughs> I want the blues thing to be a running joke. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> you know that scene in the boondocks? You can't... You can't trick white people with cheese, granddad. And you just trick them with blues guitar. (laughs) Maybe I was wrong about homosensuality. These white man enjoys cheese. (laughs) I think about that all the time. It's like... These people are a menace to society. <laughs> well, maybe it's not their fault. <laughs> Strong says, Jason, let me call in and sing some blues about bye. <laughs> the next time we do this, that's what we'll do. If you want to fucking call in with a song... You get to call in with 30 seconds of your track. Because you can't, once you say a song, you'll have like long winded song people like me with 11 minute songs. You'll have rappers, booty holes. No. <laughs> Don't need to hear anything about anyone's behind. Prairie Fire says, chat, remember, after here, we all will regroup. And we attack Dustin. <laughs> it's so I haven't talked to Ben Dixon in fucking like three years. I don't think Ben Dixon remembers me. I think he remembers Pascal and definitely he had Marcus on the show like quite a few times after that. Hmm. But uh you know, decent guy, church guy, nice guy. Yeah. You know. Never would I think, oh, I'm going to go to your house and fuck the shit out of your wife in front of you. I've never think. Not once. It's like, of all the insults you could say about Ben Dixon, that was, like, not the one. No. I wouldn't. Have, first of all, I don't know if I could say it to anybody. Yeah. And and Because that's mean. And once you say that, you better mean it. I agree. Because. You got one lady waiting on it. <laughs> you better mean it. I'm mad you broke your ass. Don't put me in your jokes. I'm mad you broke your ass. Like, you better bring that dick, motherfucker. <laughs> Can you imagine if Ben Dixon's wife was just, every man loves a woman. <laughs> fix him up a good male. I don't know, Ben Dixon. Everything's so large on her. Oh my god. Well, you was gonna cuck me, huh? Better bring that thin dick on in. Mm. Destiny comes up all uncircumcised and black girls start fucking yelling at him. Oh shit, look at that nigga's dick. Oh my god. <laughs> it looks like a fucking sock puppet. Oh shit. Oh my god. No. 
Oh shit, look like his dick's wearing a turtleneck. Oh shit. And the show takes a turn. Takes a turn. <laughs> Can Whoa. you imagine that? Oh. I thought she was going to fuck my wife. Why can't you get hard, Dusty? Because she keeps making fun of me. <laughs> God. Why your bald hairs look like old man whiskers? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just fucking with him. <laughs> Just, you're watching it leaving. <laughs> so long, isn't it? Alfita saying goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that would be the funniest shit ever if that dude, like, really went to go try to fuck Ben Dixon's wife and she was just, like, too much for him to handle. I don't know if I have enough dick to hit it from the back. And Ben is like trying to tell him that a real cucking <laughs> can only be done if you're smashing it from the back. Wow. <laughs> I'm learning so much today. Thank you, Del Sol. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? There's no way in the world, like, to say that. He's some super bold shit. He's a super bold guy. Except say. <sighs> Thought he was gonna come and bring the heat, but he didn't. That cat I you know when Ben did that thing in New York, um he was there. And every time he spoke, I was like, This guy fucking sucks. Me and Cooper are sitting there going, this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> and it's like, whatever, dude. You know, like, I get it. You're important because a bunch of gamers think you're cool because you say with confidence that you fucking suck. But Whatever. You you know why those people, like, never do shit where someone's going to slap the fuck out of them? Because mm. they'll be done. They will be done. Imagine if Haas got the fuck fuck slapped out of him by like Asatar Bear. Asatar Bear looks like Father Time. Yes, he does. He's like two years older than me. Is he? Yeah, he's built like a brick shithouse. This motherfucker is solid. Buff as fuck. Got hands like fucking Paul Bunyan. All the boys with the big shoulders listen to T.I.R. He was slapped the Fire out of that ass. He'd be done. You're the tough guy on the internet yelling at people over a screen. Somebody just fucking manhandled the shit out of you. It'd be over for you. Just remember Destiny's weakness is oceans. That's what I want to see. I don't want to fucking see some shit heel that's never read anything more 
than a paragraph of a Wikipedia entry, have a debate with some other shit heel that's done the same thing. That look, that's stupid. I don't give a fuck what either one of them think. They want to get into the octagon or some shit and fight. Street beefs. We coming for you, nigga. All about it. Street beefs. Street beefs. Street beefs. Put on the big ass twelve ounce gloves if you need to. Rat beef. Street beef. If you're not doing, if you're not going to street beef, if them hoes ain't going to street beef, they not serious people. Ignore them. Don't tell me about destiny said. Don't say vouch said. You're watching punk f- shit. I'm taking Oz's high school diploma. I think I took your doctorate. I don't even know what that means, man. That don't even make no sense. No. Dumbest shit ever. That's how you get this fuck slapped out of you with Ostar Bear's big ass fucking banana hands. Banana hands. <laughs> Mr. Banana Hands over here. <laughs> I'm not trying to fight that big motherfucker. Like 6'3, 6'4. Martial artist, not afraid to get hit. I'm not built for that life. I'm built to talk shit and instigate fights. Mm. <laughs> I'm not walking up to big niggas talking shit. That's why I don't understand the internet. Internet is just a series of motherfuckers walking up to big niggas like, hey, fuck your mother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you, Destiny, you don't want the Ben Dixon's wife smoke. You're not ready for that jelly. That was just a crazy thing to say. It is. I think she said they got like three or four kids. <sighs> You're not ready for that, dude. Hmm. Can you imagine what would happen if his dick fell out? Oh. Um, oh. Mason, too much. Too much. Too much. What kind of cucking is that? Jesus. I don't have that problem. Can you imagine Ben Dixon yelling at you in your ear? You're trying to fuck his wife. He's just yelling at you about how you're not doing it right, and she's mm-hmmming him the whole time. Oh my god! Why this guy your imagination? I don't know why. <laughs> Look. Because Ben Dixon's a church boy. Can you imagine Martin Luther King there for the cucking? Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> okay, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do I won't do Paul Chaser MLK at the cucking of Ben Dixon. Jesus. 
<laughs> Someone says Ben is definitely going to hear this. I'm not dissing Ben. I'm just, I was offended for Ben that this dude had the audacity to say that he was going to bang his wife. I was like, that is rude. That is rude. I was like, oh my God. What did his wife have to do with any of this? He's actually really good about kind of separating his family and his show. They just added her in like you like that was really going to be the like, uh-huh, like you spiked the ball right there. It's like, I don't know if you're ready for it. I don't know, dude. Mm. This ain't one of those little narrow butt chicks that you're with right now. This is it's four kids in. It's a lot going on everywhere. Jesus. Everywhere. Everywhere. Huge areolas. Wow. Wow. What is it about this? <laughs> that is just giving you all these visuals and all this commentary. It's the fact that that motherfucker had the audacity to say that shit to him. And if I was Ben, I would have been like, I'm buying you a plane ticket right now. Mm. Uh, if, if I didn't have any money, I'm like, I'm charging it on a credit card that I can't pay off next month. I asked my daddy for a loan to get you down here on a first class ticket to whoop your ass. To whoop your ass. I'm going to whoop your ass and then I'm going to stream you after I whoop your ass. Because that's something that you would probably be used to. Since you like to talk about every aspect of your life so much. Talk mm. about this ass whooping. Live and direct. From a foot in a dog's ass. My God. That's what, it, it, seriously, I thought I was like, that's just a bridge too far, dude. Don't. You mean you heard Matt McManus talking about that when he was on the show the other day. He's like, when people talk about my wife, it's a bridge too far. Know the, married. Yeah. His wife is Latin. And people right wingers say fucked up shit about his wife. Aww. It's a bridge too far. Bernie said that too. Talk about my wife. It's just unnecessary. You got enough material with the dude. Talking about fucking his wife is some silly shit you do amongst your friends because y'all do weird shit. And, you know, he's in Atlanta and you're in Nebraska and there's a good chance that he's not going to buy you that plane ticket. If someone says Ben's going to see this, I hope Ben sees this. Buy him that plane ticket. I feel like if you aired this on your show, Ben, you would get people to fund you that plane ticket. Maybe you won't do it because you're a man of God, and I respect that about you. But I have a feeling that there's some goons in your sphere of influence. Jason, <laughs> talking about goons. Now we got goons on the scene. Goons on the scene. Let him. Let Destiny bring his goon. Can you imagine what Destiny's goons look like? They'll have blue hair like him. <laughs> They'll be Nazis, lightweight Nazis. Lightweight Nazis. Bring all the lightweight Nazis to Atlanta. It'll be the scene John Singleton could never film. For what was that movie he did about college? Oh, 
what was John Singleton's movie where Ice Cube and Buster Rhymes and Michael Rapport? I don't remember. Michael Rapport became a school shooter. Huh? Somebody just bought you a taco. <laughs> Thank you, Josh, because that's exactly where I'm going. Um, what was it called? I keep wanting to say school days, but it wasn't. Higher Learning. You never saw Higher Learning? Nope. That is a black movie. How did you not see that? I was busy watching Boomerang over and over again. <laughs> you are not going to out-black yourself <laughs> by trying to black it up with a black movie. No. Yeah, I think that had to be it. I didn't want to watch the movies. I wanted to watch the ones that I saw already that were good. <laughs> nah, dude. What is higher? What is learning? Oh my god! You've never seen higher learning. Not make me want to watch it. <laughs> it's not that good, but just watch it anyway, because that's the scene at the end. Is the scene that would happen if Destiny brought his goons, his crew of school shooters, over to Atlanta <laughs> for Ben's crew of Christian rappers. It would be the most glorious race war that anti-racism has ever known. Christian rappers versus school shooters. <laughs> this is what Jason came up with. <laughs> I've been in North Platte. I wanted to say we played a show somewhere around North Platte. How far is North Platte from South Dakota? I forget. Um, but yeah, don't, don't talk about people's wives. It's too much. Moral of the story. The moral of the story is don't do that. That's not cool. First of all, that woman has nothing to do with whatever you're mad about with Ben Dixon. He's an adult man that can take anything you say on the chin. Leave his, leave his family alone. Leave everybody's family alone. Unless you're prepared. And that's, again, that's why I got mad because I knew he was. He's not prepared for that. No. I'm mad you rubbed your hands together when you was like, you better bring, <laughs> you better be bringing some heavy ass dick. I didn't even know you heard me. Nigga, your fucking heavy ass hands was fucking thinking about meaty, meaty hogs. <laughs> Banana hands. Banana hands. You know it would be the worst if he came over there talking that shit and then Ben Dixon pulled out his dick and he just had just this huge fucking elephant trunk. Oh my god. Just casting a shadow and shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Schmeckley just has a picture. He killed Schmegly. <laughs> he killed Schmegly. <laughs> I wanted to tell I wanted to tell Ben, like, don't respond with all this shit. And I got the receipt. Don't respond. Just be if you're gonna respond, be like, I'm buying you a plane ticket. You better you better bring heavy meat, nigga. <laughs> 
Lord. <laughs> you know what's funny? What's funny is Ben's going to have all these mentions in his Twitter shit about how big his dick is, and he's not going to know why. (laughs) I hope he's calm enough that if he does see this, that he laughs through it. (laughs) He's going to get the wash hands emojis. He'd be like, what is this about? Better bring that meat. Better bring that meat. Oh, man. I get nervous every time I have intercourse because, you know, the last thing you want is someone to be like, is that it? Oh, Jason. That's the worst thing a woman can say about anything. We're turning down some very dark corners. <laughs> Every time I think we're we're headed towards the light, <laughs> we just go down another alley. Dixon going, is that it? <laughs> is this him? Like we come to, oh, is this him? Like that's never what you want to hear somebody say. Is this him? You know how you introduce your boyfriend to your homegirls? Oh, this is my boyfriend. This is Finn. They go, oh, this him? It's like, ooh. Sven <laughs> <laughs> just fucked up. Got to get out of the relationship now. Sorry, I can't see this through. Your friends just made me feel like less than I'm human. But Sven, no. No, no. (laughs) You know why I'm laughing right now? Because of this? Clowning this dude for 20 minutes. <laughs> I thought she meant the stripper from the Players Club. <laughs> this old thin dick white boy in my house. Jeez. Oh, no booty ass thin dick white boy with an uncircumcised penis. Dick look like peekaboo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, we gotta stop. <laughs> oh, and Destiny's a Oh. Dude, can you imagine if 
Ridiculous. Boris says Jason has the same humor as a 2005 middle schooler. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> We're coming for you, nigga. Where are all these people coming from now? <laughs> <laughs> they were not here before. <laughs> oh my god. He doesn't like fart jokes. Not really. But Jesus, these jokes about dude. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I just can't pick. I can't stop picturing him talking all this shit with his friends. And the next scene is him just crying in the corner. <laughs> Can't say mean shit to people like that, and not expect me and Tucson to make fun of you. And me and Tucson, and everybody watching this show right now is making fun of you. You may not care, but we're gonna keep making fun of you in our minds. Oh my lord! <laughs> what Prairie Fire just said. <laughs> Oh my lord. He is on fire tonight. Can you please can you please read that? Can you please read Very fire. Nebraska Kowalski says the Ben Dixon dick signal has brought more people to the show. Letterhack says this show right now is if Oliver Stone directed a National Lampoon's movie. <laughs> oh my god. I hope again either Ben's gonna laugh this off. Either Ben's gonna watch this and laugh this off and be like, you know what? The TIR crew is right. Fuck this dude. Right. It's not that big of a deal. I'm gonna keep living my life, doing my thing. I'm gonna hug my wife. I'm gonna hug my beautiful children. Right? I'm gonna go do some extra black shit in Atlanta because it's the blackest city in the fucking world. <laughs> <laughs> or he's gonna go full Rocky. <laughs> Call that motherfucker up. Have a dick training scene montage. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Punching a pig or something. Oh my god. Did you put Born Center's comment? She's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wait. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> That's not it. Jason, loves, you read it. You read it. Jason loves sticking around like a dickhead. Like Ben Dixon. I mean, Ben Dixon. <laughs> G-I-C-K. Ridiculous. Oh, God. This shit, I'm sorry, I want to end the stream, but I can't now because it's just too funny. <sighs> Strom says it's not majority black anymore. It's been really, really gentrified. I don't, I'll take your word for it. I haven't been to Atlanta in four years. 
when I was there, it was pretty chocolatey. I would love to go to Atlanta. That's where Young Thug is from. I mean, there's a lot of them. The outcasts, Goody Mob. Like, you stopped right there, like Young Thug. With young Thug. Yep. You like Thank the you white people that. in Philadelphia that love the Rocky statue. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Damn, and then Kowalski called Boy out and said he was a little dude from, from fucking Omaha. Mm. That's fucking horrible. You're a little dude from Omaha talking big dick shit. Kowalski's not a little cat, man. He's not. It's probably some heavy meat, too. He's like, look, man, we all talking heavy meat shit around here. You can't be around here with your little ass, thin ass meat shit. <laughs> Stop saying thin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Why do you keep saying thin? Oh. <laughs> Kowalski says I do wear size 16 shoes exactly knee knocking excuse me <laughs> I want to get my penis caught in this tractor again Jesus. Thin dick homeboy come up in there talking about, oh, it's just really cold outside. Nah, we got heat in this house. It's fine. You got a little dick. Oh. <laughs> he was talking big dick shit. I get it, man. You got caught up in the moment, brother. <laughs> just take it back and it'll be okay. Just take it back. If we make Destiny take it back, that's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> just take it back. If we can make him feel so horrible that he just takes it back, then we won. God. He should. He should. At the very least, he should be like, you know what? Even if you want to say some fucked up shit like, hey, I was out of line for talking about your wife. That's disrespectful. I'm sorry. You're a bitch-ass motherfucker, but I shouldn't have talked about your wife. Even if you said that. I mean, I still get him slapped, but... That's true. <laughs> a different yeah, kind of slap, right? It's a different kind of... Versus <laughs> the show has been a It really has. <laughs> Can you read Zach's comment, please? I can't with you people. Just take it back. Slide it on the back in, in like your skinny dick in a cold pool. Jesus. Jesus, y'all. Oh. In a cold pool. In a cold pool. <laughs> I think we found the true meaning of violence that Fanon struggled. <laughs> Dude, you just can't do that. <sighs> Gotta apologize. Apologize. 
fight with your chick through you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm so going to get scolded. That's why I don't want to end this show. I don't want to get yelled Jason, um, I know you were having fun, but you got to stop talking about the girth or non-girth of other people's junk. And she's right. I shouldn't. But it's just, he he did it. He put it on a T. You just do this with your hands. Shut up. <laughs> I wipe my hands with the show. I go, okay, done with this. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, Gaspar says he set the table. He did set the table. He set the table. I want to thank you, everybody, that called in it takes a lot of balls to call into a show it really does because it's nerve-wracking even when i call into shows which i don't really do it's it's weird it's uncomfortable you don't necessarily have things ready to say this isn't like one of those shows where everyone knows they're going to call and they write a script out right well now you know that we're going to do this so you guys can write shit out thank you so much for MT for joining me. I was going to do this all by myself. Yes. I didn't realize that. I was ready to do Now you're mad that you just... <laughs> <laughs> I could have been asleep. Um... <laughs> no, it's fine. Because you said calling, and I'm like, that's usually our thing. Yeah, I was just giving everybody time off. You know, I gave you my, I won't get into it on air, but I gave you my speech about why I'm all fucked up over that, too. Yeah. Don't be a masochist. Maybe. We'll be back tomorrow with... Julia Doubleday? <laughs> yeah. Is it time already? It's time. Oh, tomorrow's going to be a lot of shuffling and a lot of... A lot of tap dancing. Warren Center said, where's Pascal fighting Israel? <laughs> Unless you mean eating a falafel with his feet. <laughs> Pascal is busy. <laughs> Presumably still in Miami. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Strong, we had a full stack. I guess that's why the phone lines are busy. Pascal be calling to not be on like that one kid that uh, didn't do his homework and is looking for an excuse not to go to class. <laughs> <laughs> Foot falafel.
he calls like two minutes before it go on. Uh, do you need me for today? <laughs> could have sworn I heard you say you didn't need me. I could have swore that you sent out a mass email that said you didn't. <laughs> well, I already made plans. <laughs> yeah, like it, like you know, the people that be calling to work. They already have vacation when they didn't get the PTO to take it off and they just call in like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, you didn't approve the PTO? I thought you, I swore you did. Oh, man, I'm already in Jamaica. Someone says eating falafel with your feet is river dancing. <laughs> Critical support for Palestine. <laughs> I hope I hope you people are having a good time laughing at all this because we're in the Joe Rogan zone of over three hours. That's a long time. Yeah, man, we are in Joe Rogan territory. <sighs> Look, I'm sorry we went so long. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank you guys for sharing this show with your friends. Thank you guys for showing up to the live stuff. Thank you guys for you know purchasing merchandise and wearing your support. Just thank you guys so much. This, this is so huge for everyone that's a part of this show. Gene and Kuba have all told me individually, like the fact that they're a part of this show. This was part of Kuba's wedding was multiple people talking about how excited he was to be a part of this show. Like you guys make our lives special as well. And we love this community that we've, I don't want to say we tried to cultivate, but we've kind of, that's kind of come together. I love the growth. I'm sad to see people go. There's people that were a part of it, like Gigi. I haven't seen Gigi in forever. You know, you hope these people are okay. Mm-hmm. Cause not everybody that watched this show from the beginning was in good financial positions. Um, but seriously, from everybody that does stuff at TIR, Pascal, Cuba, Jean, Quintern, Stefan, Stefan, Prescott, Marcus, who I was on the phone with way too long the other day. <laughs> Kenzo. Kenzo Shibata, another motherfucker that I was on the phone. Just Mac. Mm-hmm. You guys, we all get super excited to come on here because of you guys, because we can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. <clears throat> and that's huge. We definitely like talking about serious stuff. We definitely love bringing in guests and learning with you guys. This isn't like we know all this shit beforehand. We are learning with you guys. Um, and it's just, it's been a fun four year ride. It's been a fun four year ride. I don't know what the future holds. Hopefully more live stuff. But yeah, we love meeting you guys too. Hella love meeting you guys. It's always so much fun. I can I, legitimately say that I'm friends with Andy. 
Yeah. <laughs> he carries the guitars. <laughs> Someone said Marcus is Team Feldman. That's so funny. <laughs> you people have no idea. You people. It's a deep cut. That's a deep cut that you guys, it's just so beyond you. So funny. That me and Tucson are going to uncontrollably giggle about when this is over. <laughs> Marcus is team problem. <laughs> Marcus was in New York. People met Marcus. That's right. You know why? Because Marcus is such a hunk. He reminded me of this to make me feel like a piece of shit. He goes, every time you have a fucking live show, motherfucker, I come all the way out there from DC. <laughs> That's sure. So, thank you guys. We're going to do this again tomorrow. We might not laugh as hard, but we will laugh. I will say this. If you guys come with more of these dick jokes, I will lose my shit. <laughs> I will lose my shit. Oh, man. If there's destiny, dick jokes tomorrow, losing it. Losing it. I, I will not be ready. I'm not ready for those. So, let's, you know what? Since since we're uh, we're chilling here, let's go out with. Hold on, where did it go? Is it here? Let's go out with the old school goodbye. Old school. Go old school goodbye. Let's do it. Ready? We are. <laughs>